Hey everybody, this podcast is both recorded on and sponsored by Riverside, an online cloud-based recording studio that is a game changer for podcasters who do remote podcasts like I do. The biggest feature that I think is the most important thing is ease of use before and after. So now, rather than fumble through some crazy IM setup where it may or may not work right, or a person might not even have the service that you use, all you do is send them a link. That's it. You log into your Riverside account, you create a new room, and then you send them a link to that, and that's it. It just uses their web browser to access their microphone and their camera, and setup is as easy as any web-based, camera-based tool. But it's not just getting started that's a big deal. For me personally, the biggest advantage is that everybody's video and audio is recorded as a separate file all on their servers. So no more my video looking good because it's recorded locally with somebody else's remote webcam feed. Both feeds are equally recorded on the server and everything is separate, which is a huge deal for anybody who processes the audio of their interviews. Anybody that had listened to my first couple heard some terrible audio because very often I was not able to separate the guest's audio channel from mine and I had to process them together, which often ended up in improper levels, pops and clicks, or some weird, crazy processing sounds, and that is not an issue anymore. You have each track individually recorded, just like in a pro studio, and you could do whatever you'd like with it when you're done. And if you want to get started with Riverside, you could do so for under 10 bucks a month for their basic plan. And as these ads go on, I'm going to be digging into features of their more advanced plans and want to show you if they're things that you would use for your setup. I genuinely love this service, and I would definitely be using it even if they weren't sponsoring me. Maybe don't tell them that, but I am really proud to be able to share this with others because I think anybody that records a podcast, whether you have 10 listeners or 10 million, if you've been using services like basic IM stuff and local recording, this will save all of that trouble for you, and it's definitely worth giving a shot. Links down below if you're interested, and thank you to Riverside for sponsoring this. All right, now let's go talk to Justin. Everybody, I am here with Justin from Console Kits and Retro RGB at the same time. How are you doing, man? Pretty good. Uh, What's I going am on, Bob? Very confused as to why we have not done this for a long time now. I think we both just keep like getting on these calls where we chat with each other and then realize it probably should have been a podcast the whole time or something. Right. right. Um, yeah, it's kind of the fun part though. Like we have a lot of conversations in the past where we're like, oh man, like that's a good conversation to absolutely. share with people. Uh, so if anybody's unfamiliar, you have a channel called Console Kits where you have your modding and a, uh, you talk a lot about arcade one-up stuff, but you're also mm-hmm. the only reason Retro RGB 3.0 exists at all. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know the story, a while back when uh, I was, so the Retro RGB started out, I guess, as a Google Doc. That was zero version. And then mm-hmm. it was on Google's website hosting, which was terrible. So that was 1.0. And then 2.0 within, this is all the first year, it made it to a HTML-based site, which was super easy to use and really fast and for some crazy reason helped with the uh, the algorithm. But it wasn't blog style and everything about it was just a nightmare. And I wanted to migrate it over and I probably spent two full days trying to migrate it to WordPress. 
Uh, and this is right after I paid somebody quite a lot of money to not make a wiki for me. Uh, that was money thrown down the drain. <laughs> and uh, and I got so frustrated, I had kept a folder of people who had offered to help if I had ever uh, if I had ever had web problems. And I was just like, I'm going to email everybody because I'm about to just burn this sucker down and run away and never. Uh, and yeah. you responded. And not only did you help, I mean, you did everything i mean you made the website look good you made everything run good you migrated it over that's uh so first and foremost just thank you so much i mean from the bottom of my heart thank you because you didn't just help me you helped everybody that we highlight in retro gaming and that we try to 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 talk about in these news posts and stuff and you know a lot of that just wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for you so thank you so much yeah, I really appreciate that. That was kind of my goal, right? You know, around that time, I was looking for opportunities to help out in the the retro space. And, you know, I thought maybe I could make content on YouTube similar to yours or similar to like uh, uh, Voltar, you know, like showing mods. And then, you know, I kept on watching your podcast and you were talking about how there's all these things that you want to work on, but you're stuck on mm. all this web work. You know, you're like, I'm I'm struggling with this and I wish I had someone to help out. I was like, that's where I could help out. I was like, let me, let me try to just like make it where Bob doesn't have to worry about any of that. And he can just focus at what you do amazing things for the community. And I can just like, you know, streamline your entire, your entire website. And Thank you. It worked yeah, out pretty you nailed good. it. And you know, a lot of the little things that you integrated too that I don't really see anywhere else, like how, how we have now the, if we feature a video that is in place of the, the thumbnail, inside so you're not doubling up on things right. like there's a whole bunch of little stuff like that that i just thought like you know it's such a neat addition that i don't always see and in fact in most places i don't really see so it was uh it was very cool so yeah yeah that was yeah i mean project. how did you get your start in any of this stuff so uh you know i'm assuming you've always done web dev because you don't just step in and do something like that without prior knowledge no i well, if if I go way back, it's kind of weird. I was thinking about it because um, I was thinking about what, what we would talk about. And one thing that I can say is I really wish I had someone to tell me that, like, you could be a web developer or you could be a programmer or you could be a video game designer. Because when I was in high school, nobody told me that. Like, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know it was a thing. It was this elusive thing that someone builds video games and that's something that I could never achieve. And so I went on with my career in, in my early 20s not mm. doing any of that, right? Like I was I was an installer for satellite, right? Like I was, that was the closest thing I knew that was like being a cable guy was a technical job that I knew I could acquire, right? Like it was, it was reachable to me. But then I was hacking Xboxes on the side, you know, back in early 2000, right? This whole idea that you could take an Xbox, you could mod it. And that was kind of my hobby, mm -hmm. right? But that turned into me getting a job at Dish do, working on anti-piracy. Remember back in the day where you could, like, you know, hack your satellite televisions and stuff I and get all the channels? I allegedly may have some experience from that. I mean, it's 20 years <laughs> ago, so it's way past the statute of limitations. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, yeah so in, in, like, 2005 or so, I, I wanted to get a job at this company called Nagra, the, the ones mm. that make the smart card. And I just kept reaching out to them just over and over again, being like, I want to work for you. And, and the reason why is because, you know, I was struggling with, I wanted to hack things, but I didn't want to go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
And that was kind of my only way to be like, could I somehow do that for a living and help out, you know, in that, you know, in that piracy space. And eventually I got the job and there I learned from all these engineers that helped me. They're like, you could code. I'm like, I could code. They're like, yeah, let me teach you how to code. So like coworkers just helped me. And that next, my next job after that job was software development. Like I always got jobs in software development, but it was really coworkers that like kind of taught me that skill. And now that's what I do for a living. So I just wish more people knew that like those things are yeah, attainable. That's pretty neat. I didn't, I didn't really, uh, I, I never really looked at life like that. I, I guess I was always such a pompous ass that I was like, this is what I feel like doing. I'm just going to go do it. But I also was always kind of had access to computers. It was always like, you know, the, the bottom end lowest of the low, but that kind of was even more of a help because then that forces you to learn how to fix them when they break and how to put three together to make one that doesn't suck as bad. And so I kind of always was like, well, I'm going to be doing something in technology. So it's, I already got it right in front of me. I'll figure right. it out. But you know, it's a good point. If I wanted to become a game dev, I wouldn't have even known where to begin at all. Yeah. It's like pre-internet. It's not like you could just jump right. on LinkedIn and be like, you know, looking for people that are work for companies and see what background they have and like, okay, well let's, you know, maybe I'll take that path. Back then it was just like firing an arrow in the dark and hoping you hit something, you know? Hmm. Right. And that really led me back to kind of console modding because my kind of like the origin in technology was you know, X, Xbox piracy or Xbox modding. And I wanted to get back into that, but now I'm in the industry. Like, you know, I'm like a software development and I'm, I'm like writing code that for companies that don't want their stuff mm. hacked, <laughs> if that makes sense. And I was like, how do I get back into hardware? And then I found you, you know, I found you and other people that are doing mods, like legitimate mods, mods that don't put your uh, things at risk, yes. you know, like, you know, like where you could put NES RGB and sell these on eBay or sell these to, to your friends or whatever, kind of make a little modding shop. And w- what is Nintendo going to do? Like, you're not no, sharing ROMs, right? Legal. Like, you're just, it's just enhancing the product. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And so, yeah, your website became a resource really for, for me. And then I was all like, you know, I'm always like on websites on my phone, you know? And that was one of my, oh, I got to help out Bob so I can make it like easy to read the tutorials. Oh, yeah, on there my was phone, no web you know? version at all. It was just you had to pinch and zoom for every page. That was horrible. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for, for all the, you know, in the past, you know, there was just so much. And that that's the thing. Like, it's like it's it's become a hobby because I have access to information, which I otherwise wouldn't have access to unless there were people like you that were like building websites and sharing that knowledge. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I've been thinking a lot about that because I'm, I'm reconciling because I have this background in, in, in modding and doing, you know, I did high def NES, I did NES RGB and now my channel and what I speak about is pivoted into mm-hmm. arcade one up. And it's this, it's this weird thing. Like we're like, Oh man, you know how to do all these things, but why don't you just use a raspberry Pi or, why don't you just do this? You know, why are you playing with these toys? And it's like, well, what's interesting is for some reason, the algorithm found that, you know, when I talk about arcade one up, it has more reach, a lot of reach than I ever did when I was talking about modding. But these people that are that, that follow me, right. They are getting into the Mm. retro space, right. That, which otherwise wouldn't, it's really surprising. It's like the the universe is expanding, right. It's kind of like that. It's like when the when the NES classic came oh, out. Yeah. Do you remember that? Like you could you could crap on it all day long and be like, oh man, the 
the Sega Genesis Mini is horrible. Like the the M2, the, they did a horrible job. It's got all this audio lag. And, and those are all facts, right? Except the other way to look at it is it expanded the universe, right, of retro gaming to I more people. I agree 100%. And I really have been always, especially the past few years, trying to change the way I word things to make sure that people know exactly what my intent in the statement is, which makes me even more freaking rambly than I normally am. But I just, I, it was really <laughs> bothering me when people were saying things like, Oh, you know, Bob thinks you're a loser. If you don't have anything other than original consoles that are RGB modded and perfectly, right. it's like, that has never been what this site's about. If you want to do that, of course, that's, you know, we'll, we'll have to be happy to, Absolutely. but I just always want to make sure people's expectations are in check, right? So if you play turn-by-turn -turn RPG games on your uh, on your SNES, go grab one of those $10 garbage cables and, you know, just know that it's right. terrible, but it's not really going to affect that game. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. Like, those classic right. consoles are the, such a great gateway drug for people to get back into this. Or on the flip side, if they really did just want a blast of nostalgia then that's it. They spent a little bit of money. They got that and now they're done. And if they want to do that again every couple of years, cool, but they didn't lose a huge investment of time and money. So I, I, I love those things for what they are. I just always want to make sure people understand the other side because unfortunately we live in a world where, you know, all, all of these blogs and stuff just copy and paste press releases and don't actually test most of their stuff. So you, there's all these reviews of like, isn't this awesome? You could play 40 NES games on a little box that looks like a Nintendo, but nobody actually puts it into perspective. Mm -hmm. So very often I have to take the opposite side of right. things just because nobody else is, but you're a hundred percent right. And I love all that stuff for those reasons, you know? Right. Yeah, I still try, like, I work, I you know, I can, because there's only a handful of, like, arcade one-up YouTubers in the scene out there, so, and, and I'm one of them, and so that kind of lends me to have access to um, the people at Arcade One-Up. I mean, I used to do a podcast with Retro Ralph, and we would have, you know, executives from their, the company on the podcast, but I would talk to these people, and, it, like, when their first generation came out, I was like, you know the board that you're using is using, you know, it's it's a single core processor it's outputting 640 by 480 and then jumping up to you know this five by four resolution and it's got shimmering you know i'd explain all these things to them a lot of things that i learned from you and, and from other people in the in the kind of rgb space and then they came out with a second version and i kept on pushing like you know hey you got to do this and when their third by the third version they came out it's native and you know 960p and, and, and it's on a four by three resolution. And, and I don't know if I, I know I've played a part a little bit in improving their quality. I may have accidentally improved, you know, increased their cost perhaps, but, um, you know, they're, they're moving up. And now this, if you've seen some of their latest stuff, arcade one up is coming out with that we've been pushing is try to make the, the cabinets actually look mm. like the original. And they finally did it. If you've seen the new mortal Kombat, the new mortal Kombat cabinet that's coming out this year actually looks like that midway yeah i saw your design. video on that actually and now they're coming it's expensive though right yeah and now they're coming out it's expensive though right? what's that we think that one will be 599 but it'll be um you know online you'll be able to compete with uh other people on those mm. mortal Kombat games and so that that's kind of cool and that's <clears> the other thing like a lot of people don't know about the arcade one-ups like in that first generation they were using you know, they were using MAME, and it was basically like a Pandora's box, like, sold at Walmart. But now they're using, like, companies like Code, Mystic, Code Mystics, Digital Eclipse, uh, 
other ocean. These comp these companies that have been in the emulation game commercially for a really long time, well respected. The new Killer Instinct is supposed to be 60 frames per second without any lag, which is remarkable. Um, and so, it, it's kind of cool to see that space evolve and grow, where it's still not the same as an original arcade or CRT, but it, it they're closing in on that. Yeah, game. you know, I've, I've always had such you know, so that's cool, uh, such polarizing but strong opinions on both sides. Because first and foremost, nobody in their right mind who's a casual gamer is going to go pick up a CRT based arcade cap. They weigh a million pounds. There's always going to be something you need to do to fix them. And on the flip side, a ton of people who are like, oh, that looks neat, would totally pick up a box that's not that heavy, go home, you know, assemble it, plug it in, and there you go. Mm -hmm. And it's always just the middle ground for stuff like that, where it's like, first of all, if you design a product too good, it'll never launch. It'll just be, you know, it'll be just sitting on the dev floor forever. So you have to just get some stuff out. But where do you draw your line? And that's a, that's been my job a big part of my job for a million years now and any of the product development i've been mm -hmm. a part of and you know there there's the steve kulovs of the world that would rather just wait 30 years to mm -hmm. release something and make sure it's you know because they, they just take it so seriously they don't want to release a shitty product and then there's the type of people that are like does it turn on all right ship it and i always try to find a happy medium and i got the really strong impression that that entire first run of cabs from them was like does it turn on all right ship it we got the license we paid our license fee to capcom so we're good to go and it's right that's the stuff that Absolutely. pisses me off because it's like you don't have to over engineer yeah. it. You know, another thing like, oh, what's the matter, Bob? Everything can't be an FPGA based flawless or like, no, no. But you can spend more than an hour slapping MAME on a single core board that you bought for a dollar on AliExpress for your prototype. You could just price some things out and you could try to find things where in bulk it would be about the same price but faster and all the dev stuff that you, you know, that you all know about, of course. But like, you could put a little bit of effort into that to have made, you know, it, you could have just reached out to people in the gaming scene, knowing that they're going to have too harsh of opinion, but take from that what you will. And they right. did none of that. And in fact, a couple of people I know in the arcade scene, they invited to go take a look and then they mm -hmm. found out, like, oh, wait a minute, this is for real? Like, this is like tournaments, not like just a bunch of people having fun and then they, they ghosted them because they didn't want them going. And it was just like, well, I, I completely understand why they did that, but it just, you know, and, and on the flip side as well, how many people, and it's gotta be a lot by the way, but how many people got back into all of this stuff because they saw one of these things on sale for Walmart for, you know, at Walmart for 125 bucks and maybe they liked it. Maybe they right. didn't, but that was their arcade gateway drug. Uh, but on the other side of right? things, like I always use the example, how many people bought one, assembled it, started playing it, and they're like, is this what Street Fighter was like? Well, this is a fucking waste of money, and then just right. give it away to their neighbor and then never go back yes. to gaming. So it's uh, you know, it's why I'm always very harsh on companies like that, because you got to try to find that sweet spot. And uh, just like the classic, con well, maybe not the PlayStation one, but like the NES and Genesis and the SNES classic consoles, yes. it looks like it, and you know... The controllers are like, and you have the, the beautiful menus in all of them. And like, it really does accomplish almost everything that you would want to get people in at the right price. And, you know, I just kind of, if you could turn back time, I would ask Arcade One Up to think about that before they dumped a whole bunch of garbage on the market for the first year. That's right. So. Yeah, that first year was pretty bad. But now I think they have an obligation. They've, they've sold 3 million yeah. cabinets. 
So they are officially the most successful uh, home arcade product that has ever been, you know, released. We're talking about they sold more. This is hard to say. They sold more Pac-Mans than, than the original Pac-Man yeah. in the day than the original Pac-Man. So the original, now it's different, right? Those threw quarters in and, and these are something you can buy at Walmart. But they do keep on releasing and increasing the quality. So at least it's we're down we're down to we're now at like a quad core processor, right? So Raspberry Pi three mm. level, maybe into the four, not quite there. Um, and and as they get into to higher quality uh, games that re- demand a little bit more, they what they do, which is interesting, is they make a decision: do we jump to a chipset that can basically run like Dreamcast level, or do you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars? and pay an emulation company to get the emulator to run mm. on a quad core. And either way, this is another side of it that's really cool. Arcade One Up is funding huge contracts to these dev teams. Like uh there's um there's this new company called mm-hmm. Bash Studio. It's a it's a startup. It's a brand new company with a handful of developers and um, they've worked on emulation in the home arcade scene. This uh this other cabinet that I have behind here is called the iArcade and it it plays games that you can download uh, games onto. You buy the games a la carte. And they work with indie developers, right? And so what's cool about that space is it's not only something cool for the customers, but there's companies that are that are you know kind of being funded and, and they're making money off of uh, these commercial products. So it's it's good for the the whole space. Yeah, you know? that's a good point. It's a lot of a lot of people don't see it from that angle as well. Is that you know if they're dumping a lot of money back into the community whether it's hiring developers mm-hmm. or getting the stuff promoted, it does kind of help everybody as well. So it's always something to keep in, keep in mind with this stuff. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if there would ever be a need for a pro level arcade one up cabinet. I mean that with respect, I don't mean that as a dig at all. I, I don't, I just think that, you know, in the fighting game world, you have all the modern consoles and you have people that are going to be switching to FPGA for the tournaments at some point because it's going to be infinitely right. easier than trying to deal with finicky arcade boards. And it's just, you know, if they go through a certain right. amount of testing and they deem it good enough, it's just not something that, you know, something like an arcade one up would cater to and they shouldn't. I just, uh, you know, I'm glad to see them trying to aim to hit that sweet spot. But the price point is also. One of the things that I always loved about it is that if you checked on, you know, on like a website that you were working on for a while where you could find good deals on mm-hmm. them like that, that to me was exciting. Like, like, holy crap, you can get one of these right. for a hundred, 150 bucks. That's great. But like now it's like $600 and it's now you start getting in the territory right. of, well, that's getting close to something that I could build my own or, or you know, integrate other things. So right. I wonder if they're they're going down the wrong road again or something. It's uh, easy, you know. It's easy to speculate, this, obviously, when we don't have the whole picture, of course. But oh. right, this year will be interesting. So I did bring back my site. So consolekits.com is back, and I'm tracking now all the retailers. I, I'm continuing to integrate. I rewrote it from scratch, but basically, if you go to the website, you it, it ranks it right now at the the lowest price. And so you can see they also have these other arcade one up has these units. They have so many different models out there and there are deals. The deals are still coming. Like uh, there was this Tempest cabinet. That's normally uh, $450. That was at Nordstrom of all places for two sixty nine for about a week. And, and, you know, I updated my website to reflect that. So I'm building bots that'll basically scrape all these different sites to try to find the best deal. So more people, it's really about, you know, growing that space. 
but and, and more people can kind of enter and, and get into the hobby. And I've met a lot of people that it was a gateway drug, you know, either a gateway drug into real arcades or, or vintage arcades, or there's some of them that I've worked with that are getting into more of the RGB space. Like they, you know, they buy, you know, all the different mods for their Nintendo 64 now, but it kind of started with Arcade 1-Up. But this year they are coming out with four pro oh, yeah? models and that'll be interesting. Yeah, so they're 19 inch screen, 67 inches tall. Uh, they're taller, they're wider, there's no riser. And so they are venturing into that. We're going to try to build it for the pro community, but it's going to be a thousand dollars. I mean, if it's got an FPGA board so, in there, then that would be amazing, but I don't think it's going to. So yeah, no, no way. It's going to be the same quad core processor that they've been doing recently, but it does have half sticks and buttons They're They're kind of going to the, um, uh, you know, the, the, what the community, I think some of them may even have uh San Juan's in it. It's a larger screen. The whole thing's taller. Um, I'm curious to see how the market responds to that because when you're, again, when you're getting into those prices, yeah, for a thousand dollars, you probably could pick up an, a vintage unit, right? With a CRT and it's going to be great, but it's also going to be a lot yeah. heavier. So, and it's going to need repair and all the other crap that goes along with it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's you know, uh, I'm glad that there's people like you out there keeping a um, like a very level-headed view of this. I've talked about it before on the weekly roundup about you know how I appreciated your take on mm-hmm. some of it, and occasionally I'd get, I'll get a little grumpy because I'll play three arcade one-up cabs in a row that all suck, and I just forget that like yeah. you know I think you you told a story about how you had a family party at your house and you, you know you went down and there's a whole bunch of little kids playing on these smaller sized arcade cabinets, loving the experience, and it's like. It's something that I, I often lose sight of when I when I start to get grumpy about this. And it's like, that's, you know, no no six-year-old kid is, is going to, well, I'm sure like little Arturo maybe, but no normal six-year-old kid's going to be like, there's too much lag in this yeah. this cabinet. Like, yeah, you know, bring back my mister. This sucks. So it's just, it's just going to yeah, be like right. more of a chill experience to have. So yeah, it's, you know, I hope, I hope they find the right groove for it. Because obviously if they sold 3 million units, they're, you know, it's almost tougher to talk to companies when they start selling like that because it's very easy to get the attitude of like, I'm right because I sold three million units. You're obviously wrong because, you know, and right. Uh, so hopefully they're just listening to feedback and finding the happy medium. Price is huge, though. Yeah. What? Yeah. What What I'm excited about, I've I've learned a lot from it. Like I was never exposed to like the Williams games like, you know, Defender yeah. or Sinistar. And what kind of brought me into it was, you know, now I'm making videos on like how to mod things and there's different companies that are making different control panels that work with the arcade one up. And so I wanted to play some of these kind of arcade titles. Then they came out with this thing called a party cade that just like mm-hmm. goes on your wall. They're only $200. And they, we've been pushing arcade one up a lot with like, can you just make, you know, your control panels much like mm. the original? And they did it on this party cade. It's a defender control panel right that like all the buttons are kind of laid out and so i got it because i almost wanted to like reward them you know it's like oh you you did it you you did the thing we asked and for 200 dollars, it's a it's a really good value and then my daughter got into the game sinistar which i had never mm. played as a kid and it's a fantastic game and it ported well over into their their system it doesn't have a a 49 way uh joystick like the original um which which i've heard that, that they might be working on in the future 
uh, for like a bigger cabinet. But, you know, again, like it, it's, it's, it's growing that space. Even my family, my sister came over and she was playing all these old Defender games. She's older than us and she never played these games, but they were perfect for her. They were like just her style. She played Miss Pac-Man and then got stuck on the Defender, you know, cabinet. Like she was playing that the most. I was like, this is cool. Yeah. You know, I'm always, so I, I, I remember watching your review and then a few other people's actually about the Star Wars arcade cab and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I was just like, such a big part of that experience was the controller and they had it. They had, you know, right. a reasonably priced version of it that most people thought was totally fine. And enthusiasts, even, mm-hmm. you know, even the grumpiest of the few seemed to be like, this is totally fine for what you're selling, but we're going to offer, you know, a crazy, more accurate version that you could install, you know, which, which was awesome. That's and right. that that's the type of thing where I'm like, okay, I'm glad you spent the time doing that. You know, it was, I'm sure that wasn't easy or cheap to go out and make sure to do that stuff. And that's, I get excited about that. I I don't get excited when it's like, okay, now we have three new color options that we're so excited to talk about. It's like, Oh God, I could just buy a sticker kit. I really cared about color options. So why don't you talk about something that matters? (laughs) I think maybe those guys just rubbed me the wrong way though. Cause I've worked with salesmen my whole life and I'm one of the rare nerds that actually likes Yes. Most of the sales, most of the sales teams I've worked with over the years, but there's just something about them where they strike me as a cross between like, uh, like your stereotypical sleazy car salesman and like a morning radio TV host where every time they talk, I'm just like, but hey guys, have you seen the new arcade one up stickers? And I'm like, oh man, what are you lying to me about now? Because I feel like no matter what falls out of their mouth, it's not the truth. And I'm like, which is a horrible thing to say. They're probably two wonderful human beings with nice families and that do good for the world. But it's just sometimes two people aren't going to get along. Two good people aren't going to get along. But those two, I just, I can't even listen to them. I don't even know if they're still there. It was a couple of years ago was the, or a year ago was the last time I saw them interviewed. And I'm just like, oh man, I don't think these guys are for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's kind of fun, you know, having a channel that focuses on that. I see a lot of comments mm-hmm. from the community and I try to, and I take all that in, I read everything, you know, comment back and try to understand, you know, what's going on. And what I've, what I've learned is really interesting how, you know, it started out, you got gen one and everyone was focused on, you know, the, the quality. And then what kind of shifted is once the quality improved, there's a scene of people that are just like mm. buying all of them. Do you know what I mean? It's like, the, it's so it's this weird, like, you know, we're talking about, there's some people that have like 26 arcade one up cabinets. It's like they're in, they filled their entire room and, and I have many, but not that many. And, and I get the, I get the idea of getting addicted and, and, um, you know, w- wanting to do collections, but the constant feedback I've been getting from a lot of people is how they want diverse cabinets, which I don't know arcade one if they ever thought of that. It's like every different cabinet you come out with, I want it to be like 100% different. Like this is a race car cabinet. Mm. Like you're, it's got a steering wheel on it and you can play those games. Then give me a fighter, right? Then give me like a Tron style with it, with a stick. And now there's this new interest of, oh, I'm selling off this X-Men Marvel and I'm selling off my Street Fighter because I only need one fighter. You know what I that, mean? That's a really... And maybe you'll mod it and you add more games in it, but I want a golden tee, right? Because I want something with a trackball, but I don't need two trackball systems. Yeah, you know, I wonder for a business model like that, it would be better for them to just, you know, discontinue everything they have except whatever is the cheapest to manufacture and then do 
do exactly what you just said and like here's the six button two player fighter or here's the six button one player fighter you know if it's smaller and cheaper or whatever and you know here's the flight stick and here's the trackball and on each one of those you could also plug in a usb controller and access a web store where you purchase games i think yeah. you know that i think that would win for everybody because to be perfectly honest as much as i'm the guy that has every rom ever made on a hard drive over there if there was an interface where that I could easily use on a, in an experience like that, where I could purchase ROMs and not have to mess around with this stuff, I would totally do that a hundred percent. Just for the ease of use. If I mean, if they're thirty dollars a game, no. But if they're reasonably priced, yeah, right. I would love to do something like that. And you know, maybe sell sticker kits on the side so that your fighter could be whichever one that you want. And I think there's, you know, there's so mm -hmm. many different options, but price is the killer. You got to figure out how to do all this stuff while right. making sure people could actually afford it. Because, you know, I know there's been a lot of inflation and there's a lot of people with extra money to burn now, too, but there's also not. And that's, you know, I think that that's something that, but they're still selling some of the cheaper versions, right? Yeah, they they have like these things called countercades. So they go on your counter. They're like yeah. a little bar top arcade and those are like a hundred dollars they got the party cade there's actually a new thing coming out this year we we learned about it from fcc filing anytime there's a unit that has wi-fi or 2.4 gigahertz they have to get, get it certified with the fcc and then you you can find those and kind of see what the entire model is and this is the one i think is actually going to blow up potentially they're calling it a couch cade so they're just selling you the control panel oh. that's it and it comes with a dongle and uh, we've seen some of those before. It's HDMI. It uh, goes to your television, right? And it's 2.4 gigahertz wireless between the control panel and your television. And the reason why I think it'll be popular is one of their hit titles that they're going to do is Golden Tee. So imagine you buy this thing for, let's say, $200. It's got a trackball on it. Put it in your living room, and you play Golden Tee. Yeah. And it's portable. Your friends come over. You literally hand it to them, and then it's in their lap, and they'd have their And turn. lag would, would not make the slightest bit of a difference in that scenario because uh, that's not reaction. You're just aiming and spinning. You still get, yeah, no, that's that's actually the perfect uh, the perfect use for it. Have you ever tested wireless HDMI out of curiosity? No, I personally, I haven't. Oh, have, yeah. you, have you played uh, I, with that? So back in a million years ago in another life, I was doing dev work for a company that made medical grade computers. And we got to see uh -huh. some of the early uh, betas of that. And you know, I used to be able to get invited into like the private rooms at CES and, and it was always terrible. And I could always break it, which oh, my old boss would just, at first it would piss him off. And then he just started to get so amused by it where every single demo for this stuff, there was all, you know, oh yeah, this is flawless with no dropouts. They're like, oh yeah, give it a bob. And it's like, okay, um, hold on. I got to just uh, warm up my cup of coffee here in the microwave here. And I'm, oh wait, no, there's no <laughs> signal anymore. Of course there isn't. But yeah, it, it was really bad for a long time. The last time I messed with it, uh, definitely lots of frame drops. The lag wasn't as mm -hmm. bad as one would expect, but then you're back at the mercy of your surroundings. So if you're in the middle of nowhere and no one's, running a cracked microwave or something like that, you're probably going to, for golden tea, it would right. be totally fine. But you go into the middle of a city yeah. with a bunch of wireless interference, forget it. Or if you live in a dorm room where there's, you know, 40 kids all in a, you know, three, three story house or something like that, you're starting going to start mm -hmm. to get into scenarios in which this is not going to work. And, uh, 
yeah, no one seems seems to yeah. get that still. the The closest thing I've seen were things like um, tethering games from your your phone to your TV. But I believe when that's happening, you're it's just the commands that's being sent back and forth, not not the video itself. I, I could be wrong. That's and, right. And maybe it's different. But with this, yeah, with this Couchcade that Arcade One Up is doing, I looked at the specs and on the FCC filing. It's clear that there's you know, the, the Raspberry Pi device is oh. behind your TV, and that's what's playing the game. And it's 2.4 gigahertz. The control, the control messaging is, oh, is the wireless. All right, part. well, I, I, let me, everything I just said is completely false and bullshit then, because then they're just uh, translating commands. No, no, no. This proves that, like, they made the yeah. right design choice. They did not do wireless HDMI, and that would be extremely laggy, just like you're saying. And this may probably have one or two frames of lag, pretty much every arcade one-up unit out there one way or another is going to have some it, it's yeah. not going to have perfection and that's that's the thing just like it's basically comparable to the nes classic right like there's there's lag yeah right uh, it's just not but, i mean if, horrible, um right? you know if the new neo geo and I, f- I forgot the name of the company that did that but if that new neo geo cab could pull off totally fine for a somewhat okay price i do think that was a little bit too expensive then they could certainly pull it off right. too because you know it's I know it's two different things. I know Neo Geo is a platform that probably has, you know, since it's one platform with multiple games, there's, you know, more chance that more people were working on the emulation for it. But still, I mean, that was um, Mm -hmm. Unico, I think was the company. Yeah. If their engineers could pull that off, then it it should absolutely be, you know, be possible on other stuff as well. So, you know, I I imagine that two frames of, of consistent latency with only a little bit of variance would probably be, something that they could totally pull off and that you know maybe even beast said like if it's as long as long as that was consistent he was able to adjust his moves in just a few minutes of practicing on it it's only the the variable latency like the genesis mini you know and stuff like that yeah. where you go between three and seven right. or something that's when you start to to just not even mm-hmm. be able to play past a certain level in most cases right you can't even anticipate the lag because it's always changing on you right it is funny too to hear people say they beat games with those and it's like i you know i wonder what the theoretical chance is that every time you press the button that where it mattered you were a lesser set of you know it was on the lower side of latency than the higher Uh, i wonder how much that had to play into it or if they were just lucky (laughs) right so i mean you you live in new york so you're familiar with the Mm. new york fighting scene i'm curious about that like so one of our one of the things Arcade One Up is doing, they have this new big blue cabinet, and it allows you to play Street Fighter online. There's this entire lobby system, so everyone who has the big blue Arcade One Up cabinet can go in and compete with other people. And now there's new YouTubers like this this channel called Put Your Quarters on the Glass. Basically, their entire YouTube channel is I'm going to broadcast hmm. tournaments, and it's from the Arcade One Up. So he has a dongle that does HDMI out, uses OBS and stuff, and he broadcasts that. To people that are watching it, he's he's it's growing and following. He he gets about a hundred to two hundred people live just watching these tournaments every Friday. And so, but you know, I don't know if it can compete with you know the tournaments that you're familiar with. You know, when when the world was normal, like in New York, they were they're pretty popular, right? Like, but what do you think it would take for it, the software you know, kind of that to bridge using those two? Is is going to be the biggest thing because when when art did a couple of cloud parsec tournaments for retro Mm -hmm. they had servers running in aws Mm -hmm. they had uh and they had Mm -hmm. both players load up parsec and that's a a piece of software that's like a remote access 
which is oversimplifying it to the point where if any of the team were near me, they'd probably slap me. But remote access software <laughs> done really freaking well. So right. the user's inputs and the screen, it's not like it's not like they were uh, let me word I'm trying to word this properly and that everything was processed in a way where it wasn't like you're copying the full experience. So those the button presses were being processed separately than the video, which is how Parsec works. Once again, a very horrible oversimplification so that uh, you're able to get get them in at lower latency. So like if there's a video buffer naturally, right. you could bypass that. But you still have at least one you know, one frame of lag over the internet and people were able to adjust mm -hmm. because it wasn't like you're running it off of my machine. So I have zero lag and then you would have whatever it took. Everybody was going off of the cloud onto their machines and it took some adjustment. And I guess the consensus was it's totally fine. It's not the same, but there's a lot of mm -hmm. factors that would never allow that to be the same. You know, part of just being in a room with a bunch of people and you feel that weird energy where like, Anybody could pop off at any time, but somehow it's happy and not, you know, not nerve wracking. Like you'll never get that, uh, you know, across the internet, but I don't think anybody's trying to either. So it's, it's, it's something that's right. totally doable, but they would have to, they would have to make sure that things are running in the cloud when they connect, which to, from a software point of view, mm. that seems totally doable that when you're not connected to another player, you're just playing off of your machine. But when you are, especially for these tournaments, you're on a cloud um, and I imagine that costs money. So I would, I would think it would be the right sure. thing to have casual online play for free, but tournament play, you'd have to, you know, X amount a month or whatever it is. Cause you're paying for a cloud server. I, yeah. I think it's totally doable. And I think, you know, I just think it comes down to what market is going to do that. Because the other thing that you'll notice when you go to pro fighting tournaments is everybody has their controller. Mm -hmm. Some people show up with a PS2 controller and a you know oh. a Brook retro converter. Some people like I love my I don't know why maybe I'm just a right. meathead, but I have that giant Ulix arcade stick I bought from Art. It weighs like three thousand pounds, okay. like you know, yeah. But it's I just it's perfect. You could sit it on your lap or a table, and it's sturdy. Uh, I, I just immediately found myself playing better with it, and I think everybody's stick is like that. So when you get to real pro level tournaments, I think it might be interesting to see how people how people react to that. Cause even all of the cabs um, in a lot of the places in Brooklyn, not only do they have the sticks on the cabs, but they also have undamped adapters mm -hmm. and USB ports. So people could sit uh, in front of the cabinet yeah. and bring their own stick. So it would be interesting to see how they handle that. Maybe simply adding a little latency USB port is all that that would take, but. I'll have to play with that. Cause they do have these newer cabinets do have USB ports from arcade one up for controllers. I don't know if they, consulted with someone in the pro community for that or it's just a coincidence um they wanted to add more features but i'm kind of thinking through it it's like at games which is another home arcade uh system out there they have what they call the arcade net which is in the cloud um they they, they, they have like neo geo games that you can play with other people like you can play metal slug type of thing and that game is running on a linux box uh in the cloud and they're basically streaming mpeg to the devices at low latency and you can kind of see a meter and it shows like what your latency level is. And it's not the greatest experience and it's all right. But um, then this newer company, iArcade, in 2022, they're coming out with another cloud-based, uh, all the games that they have. I think they have about 300 games that you can buy. Things like Burger Time, Windjammer, uh, Space Harrier, 
they don't have big titles, but like they have hmm. big publisher titles. So, you know, Sega is a part of it. So they'll probably grow over time, but they're coming out with an online service and it is in the cloud. It is, they say, when you go to that mode, the game is running in the cloud and then you're streaming. However, Arcade 1UP is all net play. They don't do any cloud-based gaming. It's, you have an emulator, the other person has an emulator, they have a lobby, and that's a server that's connecting you, but after that, mm. it's peer-to-peer. Like, they're, it's not running through the cloud, it, it's peer-to-peer, and some people have struggles with that because they have to work out firewall rules that allow that to work, but for some reason, it seems to work 99% of the time. And so, and they worked with Code Mystics, who does a lot of the net play for, like, Street mm. Fighter on the Switch, right? So... You know, they're, they're sending, uh, what is it called, all the little rules of, like, you know, when there's collisions or when two people are trying to compete against each other and it makes the decision that this happens, it'll roll back. And so they have those technologies, but I wonder what the pro community would prefer. Would they prefer that, you know, in the cloud only, or is Netplay accessible? I mean, or, or I don't acceptable? want to speak for the fighting game community, but I know that the first answer is if if any of them are done wrong, it doesn't matter. <laughs> So if, you know, if you have it in the cloud, but they're not using the right way to connect it and, you know, it's inconsistent and there's, you know, so whatever choice they make has to first not suck. And then, then from there on, I'm not sure if there's a a consistent preference. Do any of these have webcams built in? No, no. The closest thing they have is they add like a Mm -hmm. headphone jack. And it's set, like NBA Jam, they made a firmware update where you have an headphone jack and you can trash talk to the other people. And that's supposedly supposedly coming to the uh, the Big Blue. It has a microphone jack, it has a headphone jack. And then Killer Instinct is their new one that also has online play and it has a headphone jack. But that no just webcams. That seems like such a stupid But they do want to do the... It's, you know, rather than cater to people that are never going to be happy, sorry, fighting game community, but, you know, you're all, you're all perfectionists <laughs> and I love you for it, but... You know, rather than cater to that, why not make it so much better of an experience? And then if you're so you have the cameras on the other side and, you know, maybe you put the cheapest, most garbage, small little three inch LCD Hmm. screen so you could see the other people. Or maybe you log into your arcade one up app on your phone, tablet or PC so you could watch the video go and other people can as well streaming online. But it just there's so many little things that it's like. If you're going to charge somebody a thousand bucks for a cab and it's not going to be perfectly accurate FPGA based hardware emulation, then why not give features that that crowd would appreciate more? Because, I mean, especially, too, if you've never streamed before, right, and Mm -hmm. you just want to play games with your family online, are you really going to go out and, like, figure out how to get a webcam or figure out how to work OBS or figure out Twitch or would you rather just plug in? press a button, connect on the server. And now, you know, maybe above the, or, you know, wherever it is that's not in your way, you have a little screen where you could see the other people and you could shit talk and you could do all that other stuff. Like it's just, it's the other yeah. thing why I always approach arcade one up discussions with negativity is because every conversation starts and ends with, did they even ask anybody <laughs> or was it just two salespeople that are like, Hey, you know, retro's big. Let's uh let's start selling retro. Let's buy the IPs right. and worry about it later. Like, so yeah, I mean, you know, like I said before, maybe maybe they already did all of this stuff, and there's very specific reasons as to why they would or wouldn't do it. But it's definitely not the impression I've ever gotten based on just products and price. Right. The one thing that I think Arcade One Up did that was amazing is they hired this guy John John D, and he was mm. from Capcom, like 
They literally so Arcade One Up went to Capcom and said, "We want to make, we want to make a Street Fighter 2. and he was John was on the other side, like saying, "Yes, you can have the license for Street Fighter 2 on your little cabinet," and then they poached him and hired him. And so working with him and talking to him, he's not one. He's you know he's not super familiar with like the technology like we're talking about with with lag and compatibility. But he's very familiar with gaming. I mean, he used to work for Sony. He, used, he work, uh, worked for Sega, and then he worked for Capcom. And so he's he's very familiar with it, especially the mm. the fighting community. And he's the one that's basically fighting for us, fighting for the community. And he's the one that um, the community talks to and says, "We need this. We need this." And he listens. And he goes to those meetings, and he wins some arguments, and he loses some. And so he's of that same mindset of let's increase the quality, let's increase the the feature set, you know, like like you're saying, like let's let's make it more accessible. Like right now, there's a big complaint because the Big Blue has mm. spectator mode, which is awesome. You can go in there and see. And we're talking about like there's some people that are really really good at Street Fighter that bought the Big Blue, and they're just demolishing everyone who comes in and plays. But I can go and watch them. You know, or there's some YouTubers that are broadcasting some of these fights that are fun. Then the killer instinct come comes out. People are starting to get it. There's no spectator mode. It's only one on one. And people are flipping out because they're like, Your newer cabinet doesn't have a basic feature that we expect. And this is kind of the downside of Arcade One Up. They work with different emulation companies in parallel so they can hit mm. that market uh timing. And so the one company they worked with always delivers on spectator mode. But then Code Mystics, who did um, Killer Instinct because they did it for the Xbox One, um, they focused on, like, no lag and, and, like, really, really great emulation, and they cut out spectator as a feature. And so hopefully it'll come in a firmware update, but it's kind of fun to see the community, like, flip out over that because it shows yeah, their passion. But, I mean, that, you know? so that is actually a really great whether it was intentional or not, a great experiment because if Killer Instinct comes down and pro Killer Instinct players can't tell the difference from, you know, an original board on an LCD monitor, but everybody who buys them is saying, where's your net play? Then that's all the proof you need right there is don't go for pro gaming, go for not shitty, more, you know, general gaming where you could have fun features like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's a it's a fun scene. It's it's definitely dominated my channel at this point. Uh, I put out videos on that, and uh, the you know it's one of those things where like going back to our original part of the conversation is, is we have to decide like what are you going to contribute to the retro community? You know, and there's a lot of different contributors. Like Steve, meeting him with you that was amazing. I could see his brilliance and. And what he does and he hyper focuses on, but he's also not very like a social person when it comes to YouTube, doesn't have social media, but he still has these great contributions to the retro gaming community with his company, HD mm. Retrovision, right? And then there's someone like you who's like this this networker, you know, like you have the ability to and a lot of people don't know about that about you, if they just like, you know, watch your content lightly, it's like you actually work with a lot of the different people in the space and connect them. To other people and say you would work well with this person let's you know you need to consult on this product they're working on and and that's great i don't really know what my space is but i know that i can reach a lot of people in the retro space through arcade one up 
So content, I mean, it's, so it's a double-edged sword, right? Because you could take the mindset of, I don't want to be the arcade one-up guy. I'm going to go do other stuff. And then you have 5,000 followers, which is great. and But you don't reach mm-hmm. as many people. So what's the better thing? So you end up getting pigeonholed as the arcade one-up guy, but at the same time, you're bringing the knowledge of somebody that isn't a casual emulation player. Uh, you know, you're, you're bringing the knowledge of somebody that understands both sides of, you know, original hardware, no low right. latency CRTs versus that. So I imagine, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just guessing that there's got to be times where you're like, ah, I wish I could have done this today, but I got to do an arcade one-up thing. But at the same time, you're just, you're right. affecting way many more people doing what you're doing so it's kind of like it's awesome and frustrating at the same time i bet right yeah definitely and i do a weekly podcast on sunday where i talk about this and it's kind of funny i watch the you know as a youtuber you look at the watch time and and there's certain times when there's certain topics where i'm like okay we're going to talk about aspect ratios we're going to talk about how it's bad for arcade one up to do a vertical you know game but hey it's four by three and it's not actually five by four and what is that? You got 32 pixels at the top and bottom. That's black. It's not the end of the day, but what's bad is if they're stretching the screen and they have really, really, they chose a really bad filter. This, It's just horrible. You can see shimmering on certain games, you know, and I, early I would go into that and you'd see this drop, you know, in my watch time. You're like, oh, he's talking about the tech, you know, kind of nerdy stuff. And then at one point I was like, I'm going to keep mm. doing it, you know? And now it's almost a joke. People are like in the live chat. They're like, here's Justin talking about aspect ratios again. But then in the Facebook groups, everyone's yeah. talking about it. Like they're using the terminology that I that I kept explaining, you know. And the watch time's not really going down anymore when I get nerdy. And so now I'm like, okay, let's see how far I can push it. And I really enjoy that because I, I hear a lot of people using uh, the terminology that I express in these videos in other places or other YouTubers that are like, let's talk about this subject. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's my, that's, that's my, you know, that's what how, I say. How frustrating I'm, is that? It's fine. Though? It's like fine. When, like, when there's somebody that very clearly watched one of your videos and now made that video on their channel and you know, it's just exactly what you said and, you know, using the same terminology. Yeah. Sure. It can, it can be frustrating and you got to have a balance in your mind as a content creator to be like, it's kind of funny because I was talking to a YouTuber about it and I was like, I told him like, you can use anything I say, you can copy my video. I don't care. And I think the reason why is that particular person, he's very good at like you, like Bob, like if you ever wanted to copy or highlight any of my content, go ahead and do it. You can make a reference but I'm gonna or shout not you out the entire because time. I know that's the difference. <laughs> it could be that. And and maybe you wouldn't. And that would be fine too, because I know how genuine you are and your motives are not to like steal my views or subscribers or anything like that. It's like education. It's like, you know, it's like getting the word out there on the certain subject, but there are a handful of YouTubers where I talk to them and they're straight up. Yeah. I'm trying to steal your subs. It's like, okay, that upsets me. It does. It actually yeah. does when you're like, specifically copying content for the purpose of like, you know, bettering yourself and that's it. You know, but I think the reason I'm so jaded about this is because it's been happening to me for 10 years now. And it's funny because I'll read articles on major blogs and I'll be like, they copied and pasted that. I actually made a mistake there, but uh, they copy pasted that too. <laughs> oh, this is making me so mad. And I get to the end and they're like, shout out to retrorgb.com for all this great info. And I'm like, oh, never mind. That's it. Cool. Glad I could help. Glad I could spread the knowledge. That's all. Yeah, you know, 
it was a one sentence that just said somebody else did all the hard work. We're just you know putting it in our some of our own words out there. That's totally fine. It's only sure. the people that present it as, hey, you know, look at this hundred hours worth of testing that I accomplished to do this. And it's like, no, look at your ten minutes right. of copying and pasting, you thief. It's a giant difference, and that that's the stuff that pisses me off. And I think. The other piece is when you, and I've heard about this with you, like you reach out to that person and you're like, hey, um, don't mind you making the videos, but maybe give me a little credit at the end or just something because it is, it's almost plagiarism. You know what I mean? It's it's bordering on that. And then the person's like, screw you. Don't care. <laughs> like, I'm going to yeah, block you so now. The only, that only, I stopped asking because I started to very quickly learn that mistakes happen. That's fine. That's why I try not to hold any kind of grudges. So it, it's very plausible that somebody had every intent at the end of their video and be like, to be like, shout out to retrorgb.com. Sure. It's, you know, the repeat offenders don't care. And, you know, the only time I've ever, mm. a, a couple of times, or I think once recently, a bunch of my friends called one person out because it was, it was really gross. They were legit. Like you could see their eyes, like mm. reading the article word for word. And then they took a project that I was a big part of that. I spent a lot of money and a lot of time helping bring to market. And they passed it off as if like they were one of the dev team and purposely cut everything. That was the only time oh, wow. somebody really called a bunch of people called them out and he blocked everybody, <laughs> me, everybody that called them out. It was just one of those, which wow. kind of cracked me up. But what used to happen to me was the opposite in that like I'd go to these expos and I'd, I'd go up to the people that definitely copied and pasted or, or read everything out out loud. And I would just go up to them and be like, hey, you know, I'm Bob from Retro RGB. Just want to introduce myself, which was kind of my way of saying without saying like I'm one person at the time, at least every one of them was a dick to me every single one and it was like really? oh, uh, i don't know what that is i'm out of here. like i probably pretended that they didn't know or got frustrated and it's just you know i mean we all have egos right clearly mine is you know mine is bruised whenever people steal my content <laughs> but like i can't imagine right. like that's how that's how you react when you're an adult like a grown-ass man acts like a little child who just got caught stealing and you know it just kind of it kind of blows my mind for that stuff but the, the good news is there's far more good people in the scene than bad. And it's very easy to go down yeah. a rabbit hole of venting, especially with other creators who have to deal with the stuff like you and I do. But one of the point I always make, even when I'm grumpy and go down a, you know, a nasty rabbit hole with friends, it's like, but that's not the norm. I always try to throw that in there. And there's just so many amazing people that, you know, as we've seen Absolutely. with retro RGB, I mean, do you have any idea how many of those people mm -hmm. I highlighted that I just contacted out of the blue where I'm like, Hey, um, I don't know if you ever heard what this stupid website I'm part of is, but you know, we do these things. Would you want to talk? And <laughs> so many people have, they don't even know how I discovered their projects. They're not really even on social media. And it's like, I just, I talked to so many people and I got my hand so many pies and yeah. they'd never heard of us. And they're just like, turn out to be amazing people with great projects that jump in and help with other stuff now. And, it's just, you know, there's so many good people out there of every level, right? You know, a million followers to the person that's not even mm -hmm. on social media that just, you know, you stumble across their project and they're willing to help. So it's, a, it's always good news. And I always try to make sure I tell people that even in the mid of, midst of venting or something. So, Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I was, I remember when, you know, we built the site, we, we rebuilt it more of a blog we got and we had all these goals right we're like one of the goals more contributors more writers 
And so how do we highlight them? How do we get it where it's very clear that they're the author of this post? And we've even added things where you can click on their name. They'll show all their yeah. posts and they can have a little blurb. And that was all really nice. And then, but early on, I was making a couple articles and I was like, okay, how could I contribute to this thing? And, and I really wanted to do that for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to see if type, you know, writing out an article is something that I'd be good at um, and I could contribute that way, but also understand from a designer, a web design point of view, like, you know, when you're writing an article, what are the, you know, difficulties of your site? And so I could kind of like, you know, refine some of that process. But what I found that was really cool, and to your point about how there's great people out there, you know, I put out an article and I put it to the group and, and the group was pretty small at that time. I think it was only a handful of contributors. And I was like, hey, could you everyone, you know, kind of review the article? And Ray Kamen reached out on the side. He was like, hey, I have some uh, suggestions. But his suggestions were like college level <laughs> felt like, like hey, it wasn't mean. It was like, hey, let me send you links to a couple of videos that you could watch that could help you rethink the way you're phrasing and presenting your article. Let me educate you on how to write mm. great articles. And at first, that for a few seconds, I was I was like in my head going, oh, who the hell is this Raycommend guy telling me how to write an article? And then I, I, I took a breath, I calmed down, and I actually looked at what he said, started reading the articles, and realizing what he was saying was yeah. gold. It was gold, you know? And then I, I did an iteration... I was like, okay, here's a draft. And it wasn't published yet, right? He's like, what do you think now? And he's like, you're getting closer. And he complimented me on like, this part is a good direction. This part's a good direction. But these sentences are not quite there yet. Rephrase it in this way. And it was the evolution process. And I realized he was teaching me and training me. And in the end, I felt really good about the article. And he helped me out tremendous from beginning to end, where I started to where I ended up with. It was like a completely different article. And it was, it was much better. And I also learned that to do a really great job would take a lot of time and experience. <laughs> so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't contribute a lot since then. Um, but I've always come back going like, I think I could, Yeah, you know, because of, but I mean, that's what I love about the contributors. It's like, you know, if you have, you know, if you're a full-time content creator and you want to use the site to promote mm -hmm. the stuff that's relevant, awesome. But there's also a ton of people that are just, fans that this is a, a, one of their hobbies so they might not write a post for months and then come back in when they feel like it and write 10 and then you know not write one and that's totally fine it's a hobby you you approach it however you want but everybody's always there to help and you know that's one of the things that i i still have no idea the proper way to do it but highlight some of the people that do a lot of behind the scenes work and i feel like it would be easier on the content creation side because on the dev side it's like sometimes i gotta i gotta i'll start being like oh yeah i know and shout out to but i, then I realize if i say that person's name that's going to expose the project we're working on and I, i'm not supposed to so i think <laughs> it'd be a lot easier to try to find a way to, to, to shout out the people that help behind the scenes because it's like there's so many good people and you know like um like i think danielle's written one article but she she helps like multiple times a week with multiple different things. So uh, I'd love to find different ways to just to highlight everybody that, that takes the time to help out. And I have no idea how to do it. So I'm, I'm all ears if anybody has anything. Yeah. I think we started, when was it when we started working together? I feel like it's like five years so ago. It, it would be four years this, uh, four, April okay. ish because that's when I started to go back All right, full four time. Years, okay. It would be four years ago. Yeah. So, and we'd spoken a couple of times before that, but I think that was when we started, you know, 
collaborating a lot on this stuff and by collaborating you know you doing 90 percent of the work but like with with other projects and stuff too <laughs> that we're working on so yeah it's 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 been a while yeah. and you know we've been talking about where the evolution of the website's going uh which is yes. exciting and terrifying at the same time because if i do it wrong i won't be able to pay Absolutely. my bills next year so that's always a little bit of a gamble but right. um, you know I, I still like blog based i still like you know the the talks that we've been having about moving guides over to a wiki where people could mm -hmm. uh, monitor that um in, in in any kind of way they need to both to keep the guides up to date to make sure that people don't post garbage because it's not gatekeeping if you're preventing people from writing terrible guides that are ruining their consoles that's that's not what that right. word means so yeah it, it's interesting to see and i i kind of just want the focus by far to be making sure that the people behind the scenes get highlighted and I wish there was an easier way of, um, cause like nobody likes bluntness and nobody likes labels, but I, I wish there was an easier way to be like, uh, like, Hey, this is a casual, a casual creator. They're not a pro writer, but they always have a great opinion. So read the article that way. Or like this person is super freaking busy, <laughs> so they don't have time to write a, a big article, but they wanted to share something that only they really would have, be an expert in. So there's definitely no easy way to do that. Cause then that, that's, you know, but just anything we could think of to try to highlight who, who puts what into this stuff. And maybe even just like a fancier about page would be uh be better. I just stumbled yep. across that the other day and I, I think we left the about page from when I launched the site and I was like, oh man, yeah. oh, that's gross. I should have deleted that like two years ago, three years ago. So I, I started working on that a little bit, but yeah, we got to, we got to figure out how to do that other stuff. But I mean, you're the perfect example, right? Like in the about page, like you should have like, you know, your picture right there is like, this is, this is the person who made oh, this right. happen. But you know, it's, uh, we got to figure out, we just got to figure out a better way to do it for everybody. Cause I just, I think it's awesome how many more people are jumping on board that have the exact same right. mindset as us in, in that we want to welcome everybody and this might be my little expertise mm -hmm. nerdy area so i'm only going to post whenever i think everybody would want to be into but oh by the way come follow me back to my channel if you're into this stuff too like i, I love that yep. stuff I, I think that's pretty cool i hope to someday be able to migrate to that and to try to figure out what role i play in all of this for the much longer term because i've never ever ever wanted me to be retro rgb i always wanted to be bob from retro rgb so I'm going to try to push that even farther this year. Yeah. One of the features I think maybe we could work on it this year, but I know a lot of people want it in the past, but some type of notification system when there's certain subjects, you know, if there's a, if you get a lot of contributors to the site, right. And maybe you want to follow a certain person or you want to follow a certain, maybe you're into Mr. Right. So you're like, I want every, I want notified about every article about Mr. Or something like that. How do you do that? Do you do that in a tweet? Do you do that? Does it, each individual person do that? And then they put their little plug in into the, the site. So when they hit publish, it notifies their followers. I don't know, but it's definitely something that we've been talking about for a while. And like, would be a, yeah, a great addition. I, I also, the social media inter integration to this stuff um, is terrible. And there's a lot of companies and sites out there that will do the opposite where you post on them and then they go out and post on all this stuff. But I would, I would also love right. to tie in with social media in that, Every time a post goes up, five minutes after the post goes up, because that's a selfish thing, because I can't tell you how many times I'll hit publish on a post, proofread it the third time and go, oh, man, I messed all that up. So I change it real quick or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So after five minutes, yeah. have it auto sent to different things. And 
you know, I don't ever want to have comments on the site. That's a nightmare that I will never entertain. Mm -hmm. But I, I like people to have the conversation wherever they so choose. So if it's on Facebook mm. and they're part of Facebook groups, bring it into that conversation and talk with amongst the people that you're already there. Uh, you know, if it's in a discord, you know, you already have your group of people hanging out. So, you know, you don't have new trolls coming in. Um, if you like the dumpster fire that is Twitter, that's fine. You could go read a bunch of people tell you how horrible you are just for commenting on a thing. Like you know, whatever right. you want to do is your thing. I, I like that idea, but it's really hard to integrate all that stuff in consistently. And there was only one company I found that I thought would do it, but it was like $250 a month for uh, for the service. And it's like, mm. well, that's dumb. Like, I'd rather just save up my money and give right. you a couple of grand and be like, just write it for us. <laughs> well, I, I am working on that for my site. My So, and then if I come up with a good, I'll think about that as I start to build that for my site and see if we can do that on yours. But the plan, there's a lot of people, they want to be notified when there's an Arcade mm. 1-Up deal. And, of course, I would want to eventually expand my deal website to cover more than just Arcade 1-Up and start tracking whatever it is. Uh, 8-Bit-2 controllers are now on that, discount for idea. $20. Boom, the site tells you about it. And so I'm look, it's on my to-do list soon, too. And I looked a little bit at the like a Twitter documentation, and it doesn't look too hard to, to automate you know directly to those interfaces. And then could you build something, can I build something abstract that like supports other social mm. media as well? And we can get those costs down where it's just, you know, it's just a little function in AWS that, you know, cost pennies or something would be. I love that good. idea for your site though. I, I think things like Mr. Like the DE 10 nano and the raspberry Pis, those mm -hmm. are out of stock everywhere. So having notification when they come back up and even when they get back in stock, having a notification when they go on sale or, you know, and, you know, once you get fancy into it, filters of like, we've all seen the Amazon sellers with with four feedback all from the past 24 hours that suddenly have a DE10 Nano for $65. It's like, no, no, you don't. And then we're never getting that money back. So like filter out new sellers or something. And I don't know. That's a that's a great idea. I think that that could be pretty big. Yeah. And, about, and you know, in the past, we've talked about it before. Anytime I have these ideas and like. Is this something we could do on retro RGB? And that's something we could probably do. But I'm excited about our partnership, our friendship. Uh, you know, we've met a couple times, and some of those networking events were just fantastic. Hopefully, we can do yeah. that again in the next couple of years. And it's cool to see, you know, the project retro yeah, RGB. Yeah, when, when the world opens back up again, I'm, I want to be doing a lot more of those meetups because those were some of the most fun things I was ever a part of. So. Even the really weird ones, too. What's cool is that we yeah. got to do that. I, I even love the weird one, like when Art had me Before set up the all. Virtual Boy Station at a fighting game tournament. Oh, and I was God, just like, so cool. put me in the corner, man. I don't want to be in the way. And he's like, no, I want you right in the middle. So when people come downstairs, they see a weird-ass Virtual Boy on top of an RGB monitor. And consistent the whole night. I think there was only two, two five-minute periods where people weren't playing. But all night, people were coming through and... You know, even people at first were like, well, that's dumb. Like 10 minutes later, they're sitting down and they're like, oh, wow, well, all right. You know what? This isn't bad. This is kind of neat. And yeah, even the weird ones like that, it was always, it's always, a. I mean, I guess I'm an extrovert. So it's like that stuff I'm always drawn to anyway. But I always just thought it was such a cool thing to have 
you know, people that are yeah. wildly different in every way, except they like video games, all hanging out in the same place, doing the same thing. It was like that in the music scene too. You'd have people, uh, you know, every every right. age, height, weight, shape, like everything you could imagine, and everybody's, you know, especially with with niche things like metal. I mean, you get in a room with a bunch of metalheads, and nobody looks the same. For the most part, you know, there's always right. the tribalists that have to dress exactly like everybody around them, but that's that's certainly not the norm, you know. Yeah, I think that's the benefit of what we I mean, you know, like growing up in Des Moines was, you know, I was 18, 19 years old. And so Slipknot was, you know, doing these shows before they were Slipknot with like, you know, mm. 25 people. I think I went to a Slipknot show where there were. Oh, are you serious? There. And in fact, yeah, yeah, we went to Omaha and there was three people. They were like, there's this new club that hired them to come out. We went there. Three people showed up. It was a full Slipknot, their first album set before so they were big. Funny. And we just, it was almost like, it was so it was insane. But but taking an event like that, that's really cool. What you did on that, I wasn't in New York, but I felt mm. like I was a part of it. It's like you brought it to the scene, you know? And and that's what I what I look forward to in the future is more events like that. And then even like the 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 meetup that we did kind of turned into like analog frontiers, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah, it was like like even I was watching that, like I'm in the credits <laughs> on episode two, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like I was watching it, I didn't I didn't know it was gonna be like you know an extra That's basically, funny. you know. And um, it, it yeah, it, it's cool that content creators are taking an event and turning it into something that other people can share. And like on One Up Weekly, when I did that with Retro Ralph, we tried to do that. Like we had this idea of what if we did reviews of arcade mm. one up cabinets live, like instead of like oh I'm gonna do a shiny. Like we literally, I just got it. We're unboxing it. Let's talk about it. And it kind of turned into these social events where everyone's, it's new. No one, and right in the live chat, they'd be long, like two hours long. And people were like, tell me about this. Tell me about that. And people felt like we were bringing that experience in. Some of them wouldn't even buy the cabinet. They were just a part of the event. But I remember when you did the virtual boy street fighter uh, champion, that was, I was sitting there amazed, <laughs> just sitting there like, man, this is so yeah, cool. I, I was lucky. A lot of good people showed up for that one. You mentioned uh, going to, to Slipknot shows. Um, so you have a musical background as well. You play guitar, you sing, and all that stuff. Um, were you just in bands always growing up, or you know, uh, just kind of like fun hobby? Did you ever go on a tour or anything like that? Or yeah, so Des Moines. Look, growing up in Des Moines was interesting. My brother, uh, he's the he's the real musician of the family, right? He 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 became a producer. Uh, so he produced. Uh, who did he produce? That was a uh, popular i'm trying to think um what's the name of the band i can't even mm. think of the name of the band right now oh wow, imagine really? dragons there you go yeah so imagine dragons first ep four songs my brother produced that with an engineer that they do a lot of so he was my brother actually was in slipknot for a very <laughs> short period of time uh, he was the replacement drummer uh the you yeah, know the yeah. pinocchio mask like that was that was his mask oh wow that's that really mask. cool yeah, so um, he did a couple shows to, as a fill-in substitute drummer, but he didn't want to be mm. in the band permanently. And then they replaced him, you know, but then the new guy came and they're like, oh, you got to keep the mask. Like the Pinocchio nose mask is amazing. And so so then that, that band member stayed. So, you know, I was in, I was in a band with my brother uh, growing up. And then, in fact, we were friends with the with Slipknot. And so Sean Cran, mm -hmm. the, the clown, he was, uh, you know, 
friends with us. And so when he made it big um, in Slipknot, the first thing he did was he called my brother and I, and we went to the studio and recorded an oh, album that's awesome. with him. And called One Cup Fat. That never, we never released it, but it was like the clown's side project. Oh, man. And uh, he ended up turning it in. My brother and him actually recorded an album together with Rick Rubin oh. uh, called uh, To My Surprise. It's a small little, it didn't get very popular because they kind of tr- went for like a Foo Fighters vibe, mm-hmm. not metal, and people didn't really like it. Um, but yeah, you know, my brother's like building studios and, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm just a guy on YouTube. I, it is weird. So I do this weird thing where on my channel I go live and I play music and it's like karaoke Yeah, I've jumped style. on for a bunch of those. I'm it, always the asshole even... telling you to do Rust in Peace or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, and it's I always lose one or two subscribers <laughs> when I do that, and it's kind of funny, but um, I, I do them occasionally because there's a small set of, like, I don't know, 40 of my viewers. I'll get, like, 500 views on it, and they reach out to me, and they're like, dude, that was amazing. Not like my performance was amazing, but, like, it's like an event. It's like this thing where everyone gets together, and we listen to music together, and if it doesn't get growth on YouTube, yeah, I, I mean, care, no, you're good. That's that's you know, the, those were always fun. I, I mean, you got a good voice, way way better than mine. I am I am just good enough to be a heavy metal background singer. That's it. That's <laughs> it. I it, you know, I could do the haze in every ACDC song, and you know, I could I could croak in key, but you know, it's yeah, you have a way better voice than I do. So all those came out great. Those were always a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I have learned that I keep doing them, I mm. get better. And and I was like, wow, I'm like 40 and my voice is getting better. How is that? And it's because, like, I think about those shows and I'm like, okay, let me, like, like I've been practicing chop suey like crazy. Because I'm like, one of these days I'm going to go live and just do, do chop suey. And it's like, that's a hard song yeah. to sing, you know, especially at the end. Um, but But then I start reflecting on it and I'm like, oh, like, if I keep trying to expand my vocal range or there's all these videos on YouTube that are like talking about how to get those, you know, a metal scream and, and how to crack your voice in such a way and get it prepared so you can get into that, you know, that mm. sound, you know, and it's hard. I can tell you it's hard, but with practice, I believe if you put enough practice into anything, you can find your voice or you can find what you're Yeah. I mean, at. the way I, I always looked at vocals, it's like, you know, you have arms, you pick stuff up, everybody, everybody just, you know, you pick up your glass, you pick up whatever, but you can't just, because you could pick stuff up every day, it doesn't mean you could walk into a gym and pick up a 200 pound weight. And just cause you talk oh, all day long, even if you do it, just, even if you're not a content creator, that doesn't mean you could sing because it's a different thing. So you, you gotta, you gotta work out and just the way you would anything else. And you gotta, you yeah. gotta keep doing it. And, and the other thing too, is everything you do live is always so much different I mean, I, I always joke, I always tell the same story, but the first time I was like, they were like, all right, well, you got to sing the background parts in this song. I'm like, all right, no problem. Sang it in practice a thousand times. And I get up and, you know, I'm, I'm a ham, right? Like I'm a, a big extrovert ham. So I'm up on stage and I'm running back and forth mm-hmm. and being silly. And the moment I opened my mouth to sing the three word backup part, my asshole slapped shut, my mouth went dry. I was just ah! <laughs> like, I have no idea why I suddenly <laughs> was afraid to be on yeah. stage to make a noise that nobody's going to care, care about at all. Cause it's going to blend in anyway. But for whatever reason, I was like, Oh shit. I was like, I got to sing in front of people. Like, uh, you know, that, that, that went away pretty quickly. Cause I am kind of pompous about that. Like, ah, fuck it. If I suck, I suck. But you know, 
yeah that's uh yeah. it's just so funny to see that stuff and how much different you perform live than you do in a room or everywhere else and yeah that's why it's always kind of funny to see some of these like uh super awesome youtube musicians that everybody likes that everybody enjoys their content and their songs and then like they'll upload a live clip of them and it's like you should stay on youtube because that's not what you're good at yeah. at all and it's a different skill right. set for a different type of you know thing so it's just kind of funny and you know like I, like i said i'm not shitting on on that I, I follow a lot of those musicians and think they're cool but it's a playing live is a different beast and I mean, just like Kiss, yeah. right? How I've been many watching Kiss's a lot first of... albums sound like crap, but you saw them live, and it was like I actually never saw Kiss live, but all the Kiss fans were like, "It's one of the best yeah. live shows," and it's like some fans are just live bands. Yeah, yeah. I've been watching a lot of Rick Beato. Yeah. I don't know if you got into him, a YouTuber that covered. Oh man, he's so good. But what I've learned is, um, yeah, part of the reason why I go live playing music is it's probably the same thing when you're when you go live in a club, right? You suck, first of all. <laughs> you, you never start amazing, right? And then you're nervous. And even live streaming on YouTube, like, you know what it's like. I, I think you've been doing YouTube enough where you're like, okay, I'm going to press record. I'm going to look at the camera and I can just talk. And like, there's this mental thing at first where you're like super nervous, even though, if you know what I'm talking about, or you're nervous in front of a camera, but you're the no, only one in the room. Once again, I'm because you pressed ass, record. So I don't really get that, but I do. Are you? There were a couple of random times I got that for no reason whatsoever. So I know what you're talking about, but after the first couple of... Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, I guess after the first couple of videos, I just didn't really care. It did take like six months for me to record with anybody else listening. Like I used to be, I used to have to record the weekly podcast when my wife wasn't even home. Cause like, I just, I don't know why I was so self-conscious about it. And now I could be like naked from the bottom down with half my friends in the room and it would sound exactly like this and just, you know, <laughs> yeah, you just get yeah. used to it. I gotta, I gotta work on that. I gotta work. I don't have that. Like, so, so I've keep on noticing that there's certain type of content that I can cover. Maybe I'm uncomfortable with it, whatever. It just brings that feeling back. And even when I do music, there's like, oh, there's no way I could do, I could do that. I would get too nervous, but I've been challenging myself. Like <laughs> a couple, like a month ago, I went live and I'm like, all right, I'm going to tell you my favorite movie of all time. And then I wait until like, you know, 50 people join live. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you my favorite movie. And what's your favorite movie? And then I reveal that I'm actually singing the the song Aladdin, you know, like a whole new world. Like that went live and sang oh, wow, a whole you did? new world. Yeah, which is, I did it because that's extremely embarrassing yeah. to do. And like something that like I'm even kind of nervous thinking <laughs> about how I did that. And I, I hate that feeling. I hate it. And I'm like, you know, I'm a YouTuber, but I'm not too, it's not my full-time job, you know? So if I, if I lose 500 subscribers, whatever, yeah. you know, it's not super important, but I did it. And, and the people that know me or follow me well, they're like, that was funny. <laughs> you know and I was like okay cool like and I was afraid afraid I was so afraid that people in the comments were gonna be like what is wrong with you you know you're like a horrible singer you like Disney cartoons and you're 40 years old but the comments were like that yeah. was fun it's so like, funny okay. you say that right because like I could go live pretty much any time and you know if people start making fun of me I don't I don't really give a shit at all. I could I haven't touched my guitar. I think I played guitar 3 times since I moved. So if I picked it up right now and started playing it would be very embarrassing, but I also don't care cuz I know that's one of the only things I was ever good at. So it's like all right, well I suck 
today but you know if it's important i'll come back to it the singing is just the only one where if you're like i bet you a thousand dollars you can't sing the first verse of um you know end a heartache and i'd be like oh i sing that song every time i dared somebody in a concert who was covering it to sing it better than me or louder than me in the crowd and i actually won won that bet by the way but like online like or not, not even online but like in front of people live like i was in the crowd it was a joke when i did that i actually sung it not not too terribly but if it right now if you were just like i'll give you a thousand bucks to sing it i don't think i could make it through i think i'd get really self-conscious and embarrassed and i'd be like oh you know i think i'm what if people make fun of me what if i make fun of myself whereas if it was about my guitar playing or you know how how fat i got this year or whatever Mm -hmm. else i could care less i have zero (laughs) like whatever you know anybody wants to say so i I guess everybody has their thing and i don't know why i I think it's because i know i'm not a good singer and i i think that makes it so much worse because it's like, what if I did the absolute best that I possibly could and it was still just awful? <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. that's definitely a thing for me. Or I just, I don't know, that was always it. And, uh, uh, you know, when I was a little, little kid, I wanted to be Axl Rose. Uh, that, yeah, I just, oh, I, really? I always loved all music and I figured, well, let's be a singer. And then I was young, but when I watched Slash get up on the piano for November Rain, I was like, Maybe I want to oh, be yeah. a guitarist. That actually, you know, that's you pretty go. cool. And I get into the groove more than I get into the singing. And then when I heard the Rust in Peace album, there was no choice. There wasn't, I think I want to. It's like, yeah. you need to learn how to play guitar right now. And it's, you know, I took a couple of lessons yeah. and then managed to teach myself by finding tabs online. Uh, which nowadays, if you're mm-hmm. starting to play guitar, there's awesome YouTubers. There's, you know... um, guitar pro where you could highlight and slow down sections and play along with them like the tools that are available today are just limitless whereas back then i was like i used to be in math class and i printed out uh just blank tablet tablature paper on the library in high school and i'd be in math class remembering the songs and writing out some of the tabs so i could share it with my friends and it looked like numbers so my math teacher thought i was paying attention and taking notes but i was just writing out a tab and i remember my friend courtney's like what the fuck are you doing? What is that? I was like, it's a song. She's like, you're writing a song in math class. I'm like, I'll tell you later. Don't get me in trouble. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. I don't know. What's interesting is I've come back to like, as a kid, like I could never play leads very well and I'm still not that great at it. Uh, but like, like being able to sing Axl Rose is that's outside. There's like, it's outside my limits. Like I, I want to sing like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to sing that, that high and that clean, um, is, is pretty tough. Uh, doing Billy Corgan or, 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 uh, Dave Grohl is a little bit easier for me. They, 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 I think Dave Grohl has amazing tone that I'll never have, but being able to hit those notes are not as, not as hard. Um, but, being able to play guitar like the new thing i've been doing recently is like trying to learn the easier stuff that slash plays like the first half of mm. november rain is not that hard to play it's like it's all about bending yeah, but- you know and it's really fun but the end where he's like starting to just shred all but yeah that's i so can't play that the trick now. with slash is it's not well you could line up 10 excellent guitarists and say play this part and it won't sound like Slash. Mm-hmm. They'll get the notes perfectly right. Like, imagine Ingve Malmsteen playing a Slash riff, right? It's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's not going to sound mm-hmm. the same. You got to get the feel. You got to... I don't want to say off time because it doesn't play off time, but it's... 
you know, it, it's not robotic to a click. You know what I mean? You have to, each one of those notes, you have to feel in the song. And it's kind of weird because I know some people, when they play that style of music, they need the whole band. So like, you know, if they had a chance, they would delete Slash's part off of the song and then play along to that. Mm. And other people only want the drums because they don't want everything else to affect them. So they just hear the drums to keep them oh, in I the see. groove. And that's all they want to be hearing is that. I think that's how James Hetfield is, actually. He just he only has Lars in his headset because mm. he doesn't want any of the other noise in there. He wants to stay in his groove or something. So, Interesting. yeah, it's pretty neat. There's a, there's the, the songs that I played in most other bands were just straight metal or power metal, which is a lot of fun. But the stuff, yeah. uh, somebody yep. said my stuff reminded them of like a cross between Megadeth and Green Day, which I took that. It's a compliment. I don't really care if that was a dig. I thought that was pretty neat, but well, even your intro song, yeah, right? It's kind of it's yeah. it's heavy, but it's also I always thought it sounded a little bit like oh, what's that punk band called? Not Green Day, but it's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, well, the the songwriter. Oh Off yeah, okay, right? I can see that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the person I wrote all those mm-hmm. songs with, like, uh, she was super into. Green Day and like more punky stuff. Uh, she was a yeah. drummer who, you know, did a good job singing. And I obviously came in like mm-hmm. the heavy metal steamroller. And we, when we put all those together, it was just, it was so neat. And that, that song, the opening, um, the opening riff of that. So we were in another band together and I was sending her some of the parts that I had did. I was like, Hey, you know, here's lay some vocals over it and all that. And she's like, okay, what do you think of this? And she uploaded something to her, her, music youtube channel and i was like well, what is this he's like mm-hmm. and i clicked on it and that there was a clip of her when she was like a kid singing and playing g- acoustic guitar the three songs that are in that or the three chords that are in that song and the, the chorus was the same you know the same vocal line and when, for whatever reason as soon as i heard the chorus my whole brain just went and that I wrote this whole song like that. Even that fast middle part, I was like, I sent her the, and I, that does not happen to me. I am not a natural born songwriter like that. I write riffs, not songs. Uh And I sent her that. And she was like, Oh, this is awesome. We need like a breakdown part, like something fast. And I was like, I could do that. That that was the, you know, the middle breakdown part. So that song came together in like a day tops. And there was a bunch like that. So yeah, we wrote That's two cool. full song, two full albums worth of songs. Funny, we got like 17, 18 songs done. Most of them with lyrics. Still didn't have a title for the band. Still didn't have a title for most of the songs. We were both terrible at titles, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of my goals is to you know while I still can try to finish that off. I just I I don't know. Maybe I'm depressed and don't know it or something, but like. I work, I, I love sure. doing what I do, but I, there's just not enough hours in the day to do that too. Cause I think it's very emotionally draining and I don't want to sound like a giant pussy, but you know, any musician listening knows what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. If you said like, Hey, come over and let's play some old Metallica songs. Just pick the ones that you know, mm-hmm. I could do that right now. And it'll sound like crap cause I haven't practiced, but no problem. Come back. It's fun. But if you say, Hey, I want you to record this part to this song, like I got to put everything into it it's just who i am it's just there yeah. is no like show up and play the notes like if, if if the whole thing doesn't encompass the way i play then it's not getting emailed to anybody or, or recorded in, in studio so i that might be it right. that might be why i'm like subconsciously like hey 
you pushed yourself a little too far. You'll break if you try to do that too. Why don't you free up some free time and then, you know, do that. But I really want to. And, I, you know, I'd certainly love to talk, uh, you know, with you more about um, producing, uh, you know, where to go for that. Because that was a mm-hmm. nightmare for the first album. And it was mostly communication. So I, I take 50% of the blame, no doubt on that one. But that was not sure. my favorite experience. But the, the the ironic side is, right, when we were in that band, Gina was a ridiculous drummer. She recorded all the drums on the album. Um, you know, she's a good singer. Mm-hmm. She's good enough for guitar to, to make it work live. I mean, that is a compliment, not as a dig. But, you know, her twin brother, who's there, the whole family's naturally gifted. We, she basically, like, kicked the door of his room in one day and was like, come play bass for us. I'm tired of these musicians not showing up. And he, like, relearned how to play instruments to join. And we were always trying to find oh, drummers. Nice. And we found one that was awesome, but he didn't want to leave his neighborhood after a while, basically. Like, and when, you know, now I got a good friend of mine, Kendall Lance. He's the uh, drummer for reign of kindo and then he just did another side project that i've been tweeting out that i loved he's ridiculously good and he's an awesome person so i have access to him we got ronnie on bass who you know i've done a few things with him for fun and mm-hmm. he's awesome yeah so you know we i we have a bunch of singers we know that would step in and help and it's like i have the people that i never had access to that are fun to be around and that i want you wow. know i want to work with and i don't have any of the time or motivation to do it so it's uh ah. There's always yeah. something. It, it, yeah, that reminds me of a couple of things. Like, like you were you did a podcast, you know, with Renee and Steve. Retro you know, roundtable, the yeah. uh, the retro, yeah, the roundtable. And it seemed to me, and th- that was a huge inspiration for the One Up Weekly for sure that oh, cool. I did with Retro Ralph. Like, I there's like a lot of other YouTubers that are doing these live streams, and and they've contributed or or they've said like oh man we we put together a podcast because of one oh, up weekly you that's know a which, great which is no longer around now yeah and but then i would say i was they're like oh you guys started it and i was like no 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 we didn't start it everything in our show was a rip off <laughs> of the retro round table right the and and one of the changes that we made to it though the idea of let, let's just talk about technology or well in this case we talked about one up but we there was a lot of technology focus uh, Ralph and I were talking about having it be like four or five hmm. people. And I was like, I don't want to do four or five people. And he's like, why? And I'm like, the retro round table could not yeah. do a weekly show. Yeah. How could they? There's five people that you got to organize to get together. And, and ultimately you did a set, which were amazing, amazing podcasts. I mean, I mean, if you guys did it once every six months, it was good. Cause it was like the fact that we even got it. There were you know, some, was, some was, crazy characters on there too, but yeah, I mean that, that was the hardest part at the end was scheduling and, right. and all the drama that always came from that. I mean, it's, I know it's hard for people to separate, but like when five friends brutally make fun of each other for two hours in a podcast and accidentally, you know, bring that toxicity to a product that we're talking about. Like, yeah, that sucks too. Like, oh, did you hear that Bob said that this product sucks on the retro roundtable and they're a bunch of elitist gatekeepers that don't want it. It's like, or... well, I was talking to Steve from RetroTech about that. Yeah. He got it. Like, you know, well, unfortunately he got shit on once, but, you know, not only did he get it, that it wasn't a personal attack, but he also was like, oh, they're right. Let me delete that video and do a new one. And now, you know, Steve's channel is awesome and we're friends, obviously, and everything, but it's most people just got offended and then I'd be in the email chains the next day listening to people's yeah. feelings about how I said their product was worth the money but too expensive for me. It's like, uh, I can't I, I, I kept saying I can't do this anymore, guys. I'm really sorry. And everybody didn't really agree with my perspective, but agreed that 
you know, it's too hard to schedule this stuff. So we might do one, you know, one a year just for the hell of it or something. But, and it's funny too, you know, you, you said that that yeah, inspired sure. yours, but that in absolutely no way, shape or form would I ever consider that like you stole the retro round table idea. Like that's the opposite. Right. It's not, you know, it, it, you're doing your own thing and you just saw the idea of, oh, a bunch of friends getting together and talk. Like, right. I love that stuff. That's right. That That is awesome. And I'm sure you yeah. feel the same way when people say they started their live podcast because of the, the one up podcast. Right. So That's right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of interesting how that works. Like I, the last, you, you put your foot in your mouth and and you you regret saying things like you know happens, especially when you're live. But like the last podcast I did, I brought in this guy Michael B, the Game Genie, who's who's you know he's he's very talented YouTuber and he's he's great, he's funny and you know whatever. And I like messing with him, right? So literally, I go live and I'm my goal is to look at Mike mm. and get him to laugh, right? And so the entire podcast is about pinball, virtual pinball. Should you get a stern real pinball machine or should you buy whatever this arcade one up pro line that may come out? That's supposed to be, it's a virtual pinball, but it's supposed to be even better than their previous one. Which one should you get? And so I started out the podcast with today. We're going to be talking about pinball and how it's dead. <laughs> no one's buying pinball machines anymore. The virtual space. And it's just a joke to Mike and anyone who watches me regularly would know I'm just being, and I even say, okay, the truth is we're talking about this. So it's just a joke, right? But someone who doesn't watch my content, this guy, Arcade Hollywood, who's who's kind of known in, in the arcade space, he's, he made a comment on the video and he's like, it's not dead. What are you talking about? It's yeah. not dead. There's so many like pinball uh, pinheads that would be so offended with what you said. And I was like, it was just a joke, dude. It was, it, I was, I was, yeah. was being sarcastic. Like it didn't mean any of it. It was, it, literally yeah, a joke. that's rough that, that's absolutely rough sometimes or luckily he's a bright guy so he he responded with oh i get it you know he was not mad or anything like that he's like yeah it's just a joke. yeah but some people right some people are like no i'm right you're yeah wrong. uh i just I, I stopped arguing with those people and it's it's rough too because it's like I really do want everybody to feel like they're always welcome at every event i'm at and everything i do whether it's live right. but it's just you know, sometimes not everybody's going to get along, you know, two good people just, you know, always going to butt heads and just some people just haven't quite yet figured out how to play nice with others. And some people never do. And it just, it's, you know, unfortunately, yeah. sometimes it's their own fault. They don't, they don't care to even make any effort to, um, and there's a few, yeah, there's a few people that I, I'm, I'm always wondering why more people haven't called them out on that, but so I just, I try to always approach it with patience. Like I remember how awful I was probably to be around when I was, you know, a kid. So it's like, you know, weird and annoying. And, you know, I sort of kind of learned how to pull out of that. And I'm certainly better than I was. So I try to always give other people the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's certainly been a bunch of times where the just the shit starts rolling downhill and I start getting buried in it. And it's like, uh, you know, whatever you could do to pull yourself out because it's, so I, I wish people that don't get the joke, I wish them the best of luck, but maybe maybe my channel's not for right. me. And there's also been a, a tremendous amount of people that don't get why I make fat jokes. And that's the other thing that always, and uh, one of my friends was like, it's this, described it as a weird sense of confidence. And I'm like, I guess I could see it that way. Mm. I just, I know what I look like and I'm happy with where I am. And I wish I was a few pounds lighter, but whatever. And some people get like massively offended by that whether it's they think they're getting attacked or whether they think I'm attacking other people or 
or I'm I'm fishing for compliments, like expecting people right. to be like, "Oh no, you're fine just the way you are." And I'm just like, like "You're not <laughs> just a loudmouth blowhard sometimes that likes to make silly jokes." And you, you know, I thought you, you can't get mad at me for making fun of me, but apparently I was wrong. <laughs> so right. Yeah, I think a lot of different people, especially those who comment on videos, and and maybe it's just them. You know, maybe the problem's me, or like they they took two seconds, or you know, the common one of like. You know, you say something 30 seconds into the video that explains something, but there's a comment that's like, you left yeah. out this part. And like, literally, I know you only watched 10 seconds of my video. You judged my entire content on my thumbnail and then came in and wanted yeah. to say something and then walked away. And what do you say to that person? Or there's this real common one I get. And I I, I used to think the same way, but it's like, you know, like with Arcade One Up, why would anyone ever buy that? You should just, and then they describe yeah. how they game. Right. And it's this weird thing where you're like, do you want to live in a world where everyone does things yes. your way? They do. Like, your way is they, the right they way. They really do. It's, it's weird. It's right? so strange. I just don't get it. I, I can give a million reasons why. Yeah, you, you, exactly. Like there's you could go the other way. You know, there's why are you doing it your way? But here's a common one that I that I started getting. So I, I interact with these people that make comments. We do live streams. Uh, you know, and in the live streams, I ask questions, polls or whatever, and I've learned a ton. Like, so there's this one person that needs assistance. I, I'll make a video and I'll be like, if you need any help with this topic, comment down below. And they'll say, yes, I got lost at this step. And I'm literally like, try this, try this, try that, right? Troubleshooting with them. And I think that's a fun way to interact on YouTube. And some person's like, okay, so I'm trying to do a firmware update on this. How do I do that on my phone? I'm like, well... Um, you, you can't, you need a PC. He's like, well, that sucks. I don't own one. And so it's this thing. I was like, well, there's a set of people out there that don't mm. own a computer that are also buying devices that they want to play retro games, but they want to flash or hack or whatever. What do they do? But then I take that to the Facebook group and there's actually people that are like, this is how you do it. So do you have an Android phone? The guy's like, yeah, you install this app and this app and it'll actually allow you to unzip it and then That's flash so it cool. from your phone. And I'm like, wow, that's beyond, I never knew that. I learned that now, but you may say to that, that's why that person doesn't use a raspberry Pi. He doesn't even own a computer. He has a phone, but he still wants to play retro gaming. Leave him alone. Let him have his fun with his, you know, whatever device that he has. Um, maybe it's an extreme case, but it's still a case. Yeah. You know, I, I, it is very easy for anybody who has to deal with you know, constant negativity to just write the comment section off as like, Oh, I hate comments, but it's, I've met so many, so many good friends that are like legit in real life friends through the comment section, you know, a lot, a lot of the contributors mm, yep. and the, you know, the people that we work with and do stuff with on retro RGB all came from comments. It, and not only that, a lot of people that have totally changed the way I do, like my video captures and my audio processing were people that yes. came in with suggestions. So, uh, I really love it, and I've been doing this thing for the past couple of years where if I see a nasty comment, because YouTube's got the creator thing where you could search for a person's uh, comments just by the person. So if somebody comes in with a nasty mm -hmm. comment, I just search for their name and I see. And if it's like person, good person, thinks they're funny, but they aren't, it's fine, whatever. You know, I'm sure I was, not only was yeah. I that guy forever, I might still be, you know, and then there's the person that has just nothing but positive stuff and maybe they're just having a bad day, fine. Yep. But the person that every one yep. of their comments is nasty. It's like, 
All right, why? Is it tech stuff? Am I missing something? No, no, they're just being a piece right. of shit. Block. That's it. Yep. And you know, apparently it's against yep. the rules or something, but I don't really care. I don't I don't play by the YouTube rules. Yep. So it's and, and that's really that's helped a lot. That that's, you know, I, I still I'm only human, so I still do the thing where it's like uh, you know, somebody leaves a horrible comment and I'm like I do the search and all their comments are terrible. And it's like, I fucked your mom last night block. Ha ha ha. Like, you know, like yep. <laughs> I'm only yep. human. Sometimes yep. I got to throw one of those in there, but uh, I, I, in doing so, it really helped me learn like who's, uh, you know, who's just trying their best, but you know, sometimes having a bad day or isn't good yeah. at explaining, but yeah, it's uh, I, I thought that was a good practice. It's really taught me. It's I've re-earned my respect for the comment section. Um, and it's easier yep. to filter that stuff out. And just, you know, it, it's funny too, because the only people I've ever seen give me shit for deleting comments or for, uh, for blocking people like that. The only people are 100% trolls, not be, uh, there's, there's still one guy that yeah. says I'm lying about lag, but you know, I'm sure he's a flat earther and I hope he falls right off the ice wall. But like, <laughs> other than that, it's like, it's just nothing but trolling there is not a single thing that has to do with any facts or tech or conversation or opinions it's none of that it's just Absolutely. giant pieces of shit needing attention and i'm sorry that's where you are in life but there's play go to classic gaming right. discord they seem to love those people there so stay the hell out of my <laughs> comments no i i adopt almost exactly that same thing like early on when i was a really new to youtube i would get you're ugly. You have a big nose. Like, it's just like, I have a Greek nose. What? Okay. I guess I'm ugly. Sounds good. Don't know why you had to say that out loud. Sometimes people just keep that to themselves. And I'd block those. And I even got one the other day. It was just like, here it is again, console kits with another shill arcade one up video. It's like a very specific mm -hmm. attack. Like, you know, and then the details are just like to me. And how do I respond to that? Do I say, Everyone has their own opinion, or then I do the thing where I'm like, let's see what their other comments are. Oh, all their comments are just basically like being mean to either me or other people. Don't care, gonna block yeah. you. Other right? people, that's the other thing too. If somebody's consistently mean to other people, you know, one argument, fine. I, I wish they'd be more of an adult, but that, right. that's the other thing. But, but yeah, it's funny. And the the stalkers and obsessiveness is an interesting thing to see from a psychological point of view. Ralph had a couple that. I talked about something he did and I, it was probably two people each with four or five accounts. Cause they all, all of these trolls have many accounts, right. all of them. Uh, right. and it, it's so funny. Cause I just was like, I didn't even, as soon as I saw the pattern, I'm like, it's definitely the same person. They even misspelled the same wrong, word wrong. They're copying and pasting or something. Right. And I just started, you know, I didn't even respond. I just blocked all of them. And then, I'll go into every right. time I get a new video, it was the same person like stop lying for retro Ralph. You know, he's a shill and so are you. And I'm just like, man, the only thing that would actually have made that funny is if that was Ralph fucking with me, that would have been really funny. Other oh, yeah. than that, it's just like, <laughs> wow, this one or two people tops definitely, uh, you know, that, that, that always cracks me up, but yeah, they're the only ones that ever, that ever seem to have a problem with me blocking them. Cause now they, they need to go find somebody else to, to try to get attention from so but then there's the other side of it right and i've had this a few times uh, when i was first started making content the content was kind of like hey guys so today we're going to be talking about the new thing that i want to share about this topic and so you know it was i was early i didn't know how to make content and this guy's like 
you talk too <laughs> slow, right? And he's like, your content is horrible. You need to be off the system. And I sat there and was like, oh, I'm going to block this guy. Oh, my God, he's so mean. And then I thought, hold on a second. He took the time. So I respond to him and I say, could you elaborate? Could you tell me everything that I'm doing wrong if you have the time? And he responded, yeah, go watch this YouTuber, YouTuber. Notice the difference between the way you speak and the way he speaks. This guy talks too fast, maybe pull it back a little bit. And I was like, okay, okay. So on my next video, I'm like, hey, guys, welcome back to the channel. So today we're going to be talking about Arcade <laughs> 1-Up and the new news. And so I was kind of like, and then, like, my views went way up and my watch time increased. And then I walked back. I'm like, yeah, it was boring and I was talking too slow, right? And it was like. That guy, that comment actually like made mm. me better. So every now and then I look at a comment and I go, is this an opportunity for me to learn actually? And, and and so I'll respond, could you elaborate a little bit more? I would love to grow as a content creator. And then I'll either get, they delete their own comment, which is really weird. It's like they don't want to have an interaction with me or they'll actually That's give me good advice. Yeah, you know, I yeah. I think when so I first started that. out, I was just, I looked at other people like, well, how do I do YouTube? What am I supposed to do? I've never done anything like this before. Mm-hmm. And I, I was quieter, which is for me is weird because I'm a loud person in real life. Uh, and I, I said the same mm. catchphrases that everybody else seemed to say. And I'm just like, I didn't really understand why I did that. And I, somebody, uh, I, don't, I don't remember the context, but I just remember looking at one of my videos like, why do I say that? Like... What am I trying to accomplish? And it's, well, I want people to feel like they're sitting in front of me when, you know, just like these, I want people to feel like they've pulled up a chair next to us and they're just hanging out, having the conversation. Right. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to be me. And sometimes I'm exhausted. And sometimes I'm, you know, really excited about something and I watch it. And I'll be like, ah, oh, should I dial it back? And I'm like, that's me. Mm. But that's who I am. So, you know, it's, it's long, I think I told the story on another podcast, but in that, that same band, um, like the couple of the band members would always come down on me for doing certain things. And I just, one time I was like, look, I record every show. Let's sit and point this out. And they're like, well, what'd you do over there? I'm like, I went over next to the bassist during the bass solo and like, you know, butt bumped him. I'm like, that's, I'm a silly fuck. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. You know? Oh, all right. What Mm -hmm. about this? I'm like, that's how I stand when I'm playing that part of the solo because I have to brace the guitar to do the tap thing. And they're like, all right, well, what about that? Right. I was like, that's a, oh, oh God, what was I doing? I look so stupid. <laughs> yes, like, I remember you. So it was such a valuable lesson. So I just, that's what I'm trying to do. Sometimes yeah, you need a mirror. That's what I was trying to do now. It's just like, whenever I'm, I question something, I'm like, you know, am I talking too long? Am I talking too fast? Am I anything else? And I'm just like, no, that's, you know, that's it. It's me. I got to, so I, I re-record a lot of them, you know, because I do segment at a time for the two weeklies, but it's like, you know. I, I love the content where you're like, this is the 14th time I've done this take. I'm just going to yeah. do it. This is the last Some one. Some of them you are get. so frustrating because I, I don't do, I just, jump cuts to me, it feels so unnatural. Some people pull yeah. it off. Some people place it so that you mm-hmm. feel like that section's ended and now there's a new section. Sometimes you, I do do it just to be silly for comedic effect things, like when I zoom in and say something stupid and then cut to something else. But yeah, just the those people are fun. that can't form three sentences and have to cut up every four words, it's like I can't, I can't follow it. You know, yeah. I, I just it, I can't do it. So I'd rather I'd rather waste forty minutes recording a, a eight minute section six times than you know. Uh, than do that it's yep. probably you know i probably have a lot more free time if i didn't but 
you know, like I said, I'd rather have content comes out where it's like other people could have done that better, but that's me. So it is what it is rather than something where it's like, that's not at all what I meant. It's not the perspective. That's not, you know, let me go back and do that again. And that was the, the whole, um, uh, a hyper crap thing from a couple of years or a couple of weeks ago. It's like, you know, that 10 minute section took like two and a half hours. And finally I was like, you know mm-hmm. what, let me just redo this whole thing and just do it in a way mm-hmm. that I feel is the most clear and concise just to make sure the info is out there and I'll even timestamp it. So if people, you know, don't care about certain things, they could skip it. And I was just like, this is way too long, but it's the only right way to do it. So we'll see. Yeah. I've had a lot of fun and maybe you enjoy that talking a little bit about creating content. Like for sure. Like when you're using jump cuts as like a Mm. crutch almost like that, that's when probably it's bad, right? It's like, Hey, you are jumping around. It's because you're taking too long to speak and it's super annoying. Right. And then at the same time, if you just try again and try again, like you're practicing, you're, you get better at being able to talk without the big gaps and that's good. But one of the things that I've learned recently from another content creator was uh, kind of doing the audio jump mm. jump cuts, but overlapping the audios. Have you ever tried that? Like a lot of people just, they when you're editing, you're like, I'm going to cut this spot out, like this little gap of air, like this, uh, you know, whatever, two seconds of gap of air. But there's this other content creator that says when he cuts that, he then in Premiere, you know, moves it down and then overlaps it. And it still has like a one second gap. And it flows. You don't hear that pop. And it actually sounds really good. And even sometimes you'll hear the previous sentence over the next first syllable for a second. And it actually sounds good. It's now a creative thing, but it's not a jump cut. And then in the video, that's when you swap to a B-roll or something. So Mm. it's not a visual cut. And I've been playing with that. It's I don't know. I don't know if it's actually a jump cut. It's just like an edit style. And you don't do it constantly because otherwise that's just yeah, no, jumping around. That's definitely um, a trick for audio um, that I would use, but I'm, you know, that's still, I, I mean, you're, you're still, if you're watching it, you still get that jerky, like that just makes me nauseous and you see it. So yeah, there's one yeah, guy, yeah. I don't know if you're into cars at all, but there's a, a car channel on YouTube, Haggerty. And there's one guy that does a lot of like mm-hmm. funny stuff about old cars and, you know, talks about how certain things work, but there's not a other than for you know comedy there isn't a single jump cut and some of them some of these sections are like seven minute sections so it's a lot of the same stuff i do but like really good <laughs> like way better than me and i can't yeah. tell you how many times i've watched his videos because i enjoy the videos but like i'll get to the end of that yeah. and it's like he might be reading off a teleprompter but like he's walking around like messing with stuff and doing it. And it's just like, I wonder how many takes these take to get right. Like, do, you know, is he a natural or he just, you know, farts it all out in one shot or, is, you know, does he get it wrong a thousand times and take a day to shoot this, but the, they, they all flow so naturally. And I'm just like, wow, like that's, that's, like I start. I would have never noticed that if I didn't make videos myself. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of times when I see that those type of things, I, I lean towards the, they're just that mm. good. You know what I mean? Like they have the ability to just, maybe they know the topic, they know they have confidence or something, or they're just natural, good public speakers, yeah. something like that. Especially when you watch some that where you're like, they're talking for seven minutes and you're like, that was one take or, you know, that was one yeah. continuous shot. Like there was no 
and I stayed, uh, you know, watching the entire time. Like I didn't keep, I never looked away. Yeah. You know, I never yawned or wanted to change the channel. I was like, that's just. It good always content. cracks me up. There are some days. That I'll, I'll, you know, hey, everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. And like that, I got to do 10 times. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be one of those weeks, <laughs> isn't it? And then, you know, three hours later, I got a 20 minute oh, wow. podcast. And there are other days where it just all comes out. And uh, I went to uh, Video Games New York one time to to just do some like promo mm-hmm. stuff for helping them sell retro game focused things for small creators. It was actually a cool thing. And it was mm-hmm. like nine o'clock in the morning. And I just got off the subway and. You know, a couple of the kids that work there are kind of like looking like, oh, I wonder, you know, I wonder what this is going to be like. And I just murdered the first take. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be one of these days where I'm just here all day. I'm so sorry. And Dan was like, it's all right. Take your time. Don't worry and about like it. an and, audience, too. And huh? for whatever reason, I just, you know, there were three videos I did three in a row in and out. And like even one of the kids that like didn't roll his eyes. But when he heard me be like, oh, this is going to be one of those days where it takes forever. He was like, oh, fuck, we got things to do. And like after the third, third one in a row, he looks around the corner like, huh, all right, cool. And I was like, I have, I have no idea where that came from. Usually, <laughs> usually it's a lot worse. But yeah. yeah, it's kind of funny to see those things just kind of yeah. fall out. Yeah, creating content's interesting. It's fun. It becomes a hobby on its own, right? And and that's... uh. The, the, some people talk about it's like oh arcade one up is your hobby and it's like it is but also making the content yeah. is the hobby and i know that it's kind of like music like you know i've been in bands all these times and we would go play coffee shops right that was the thing i did with my brother-in-law every friday coffee shop you know three hours we'd play a set and we played we'd figure out what the audience wanted you know you're like, the, what does the audience want? They're like, oh, they want 70s song. Okay, we're learning a whole bunch of 70s songs, right? And then, like, I would play a set, and then I would start playing Foo Fighters, right? And, like, acoustically, right? Like, kind of like some of these, like, monkey wrench. Don't want to be your monkey wrench. You know, like, heavy on the acoustic. And people are like, $20 tips, $20 tips. They're like, well, there's this thing. Like, people really enjoy, like, listening to the 70s. And then all of a sudden, you go to this hard rock. You know, and you make their day, right? And so sometimes I compare some of that to other things. Like if I was to do my own band, it would probably be, you know, like, uh, you know, alternative music, 90s, a Green Day, a Foo Fighters, Smashing Pumpkins, that type of music. But when you get an audience of people and you're playing like covers, right, you kind of play whatever. And so I, in that, I like, I like being mm. a musician. I like recording. I like the process of, or playing in front of a crowd, right? And then so I have an arcade one-up channel, and maybe that's the analogy. It's like arcade one-up is the the thing that people enjoy. I like performing. I like talking. I like uh, the the podcast style. And there's a group of people that enjoy me playing the arcade one-up, and I I like the the reach that I can get in that, or teaching people about the retro scene. And then maybe my taste in music will change over time. But right now I'm you know. I'm sticking with the topic of arcade one because I enjoy it. A lot of people ask, why aren't you covering at games? Why aren't you covering the other home arcades? And I just don't, I'm not interested in that. So there is a thing where it's like, mm-hmm. I don't play country music. I just don't play country music. I don't like country music. I appreciate it. Taylor <laughs> Swift is kind of cool, but arguably maybe she's not country music, but uh, there's just some songs I would never play, you know, but I'll play Metallica if, if uh, you know, I'll I think play, that's a great know, analogy though. Foo Fighters. I think, um, you know, I, I, I definitely at some point want to try to, branch out a little bit just for my own sanity and it's it's just a balance sure. of that like yep. I, I, there, I got a bunch of like um 
uh, motion light cameras outside just to make it, you know, make it easier to see when people are coming over. And there's a bunch of animals that run through. There's like a fox and stuff. So, oh, wow. but like, I watched a couple of reviews on them. I watched a bunch of reviews and they're all terrible. And I know that's a, a really arrogant thing huh. to say, but the reason they're terrible sure. is because there are people that are only playing in the box of the one thing that they're reviewing. And that's the one th thing that I can hmm. bring to the table is that like, okay, I've been doing product development and product QA testing for like 20 years on top of the, you know, whatever IT stuff I did, you know, through that whole time. And I have the knowledge of networking, you know, enough to, to see how this plays in. And I have the knowledge of security. So, uh, you know, and I've did camera work before with other stuff. So it's like, I bet you I could put into perspective a lot of things that, the reviewers just couldn't because they didn't have the same background. I was like, I bet you, you know, but how many people would want to go to, you know, retro RGB's YouTube channel and look at a video about motion tracking, you know, floodlight cameras in the backyard. And it's like, of course I, I want to see you cover that. I don't know how you would do right. it as a content creator, how you would do it, but it, I think you do. Yeah, well, I mean, it, and I, you know, sure. now I don't want to be the camera guy, but I want to do one review on that <laughs> just to just to say, hey, here's what's out there, and you know, how much, how much would you hate if you make that video gets a million views and you're like, well, I need to pivot to do cameras. The now. only thing, or would you would you say no? I'm not doing I would that. Hate I don't about care that. what the algorithm. The only says. thing is, I you know, I, I've always talked about how to deal with all of the accounts under the name retro RGB when I'm trying to separate myself from the association to make it more about the community. So if I right. started, you know, Bob YouTube forward slash Bob, and it went viral on that, I would yeah. be very grateful because that's, you know, that's just proof that I could branch out. But if it went viral on retro RGB, yep. I'd probably delete it because it's like, no, I just, this is the opposite of what I'm trying yeah. to do. You know, it's just why I haven't done any music stuff on there and you know, anything else. It's just like, I, as much as I really want to do all of this stuff, I just, I have to, you know, I really have to drive the point home that retro RGB is about everybody in the retro gaming community that gives even the slightest bit of a shit on how to play their games, whether it's composite on a CRT, whether it's an emulator on your cell phone, I don't care. As long as you care a little bit about the experience, that's who's welcome. And that's, that's it. And I just, right. I don't want to, I don't want it to be like, so retro RGB is a camera channel now, huh? Like, no, no. Right. <laughs> or, or, you know, or, or really is about you. You know, I, I guess that's, is that ego? Is that, I don't know what that, I don't know what that is. Whatever it is, I'm sure I'm wrong, and I'll 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 take full responsibility. But I don't want it. I want to make sure that it's about sure. everybody else, and then I'll start other stuff that I I could have some fun on. But well, you know, we'll kind of see. Yeah, I struggle with that. I always I always feel like I'm not ready. I'm not ready to do other topics. I've tested the water. Like I was like, oh, I'm gonna cover analog. I'm like, yeah, I love analog. I have like yeah. almost all of their products. I've supported them for so many years. I'm familiar with the technology. Let me see if I can take the challenge of I'm going to explain the analog, their new product coming out in a way that my viewers, the arcade one up viewers would understand them because they're probably not familiar with FPGA because if they were, they maybe they probably complain <laughs> about arcade one up more. So I did a video. It performed very, I've done, I think I've done three analog videos. They're all like 10 K it's the, the last one I did was really low. Like I think I talked about pocket and like no one watched it, but then I learned a whole new thing. Like, look at the algorithm, they're like, uh, 70 to 80% of your viewers that watched it don't subscribe mm. to your channel. So it's this weird thing where it's like, when I did analog, it got into an algorithm of 
of people that are not regulars to my channel, and it, it gave me growth, actually. And I guess I could double down and be like, oh, I'm going to cover that as well. But for some reason, I didn't have any interest in it. It was just like, I said what I said on the topic. It's a new product. I enjoy it. Here's how FPGA works, and this is how you can understand it. And people were like, ah, you did a good job explaining that. I'm like, okay, cool. That content's over. Like, I'm not going to, like, weekly be like, and this is the new firmware update for the new analog pocket. Now it's jailbroken. And it's like, that's just... I mean, there's probably content creators. But that's not what you want to do. do that. Yeah, that's I, great. I mean, that's that's yeah, the number not... one thing is that you have to do what you enjoy doing with, you know, some exceptions, of course. Life is like that. But if you don't enjoy doing it, then there's just no point, you know, just because it's not going to whether people know it or not, they're going to tell the difference and it's going to make you unhappy and you got to yeah. just figure it out. But I mean, it's a good question as to like. Because I, I was talking to somebody about this, you know, this the struggle the other, uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh, I'd love to do other videos and this. I want to do some music stuff. I, I definitely don't want to not do gaming. I just would like to do, you know, more things right. that encompass my life. And they're like, so you want to be like a YouTube influencer? I'm like, what? They're like, yeah. So you want to be like a personality then? You want people like, you know, you want to be the person where people, you know, follow you and see what you have for dinner? I'm like, no. No, I don't think so. Mm. And it's a, it's a little strange. And they're like, well, what what's the point of doing all that extra stuff then? Do you not want to be the retro gaming guy? And I'm like, I don't have a problem with that. Hopefully most people in life realize you're more than just your, you know, your channel. But like, I don't have a problem with that at all. They kind of put it, they weren't mocking me at all. They were just putting it and trying to put it in a different perspective of like, well, what the hell's the goal then of doing all this other things? Like, that's a very good question. I mean, the music one's easy. I just, I would love to finish the songs that I started before my hands can't do it anymore. <laughs> but like that, you know, that doesn't have to be a YouTube channel. But it, so it's kind of interesting to think about that because it's like, what would you want to do then if you didn't do arcade one up? Would you want to do general console mods? Would you want to do just a music cover channel? Would you want to do And it's like, you know, I, I don't know. Underwear try-ons. Yeah. I'm not judging. Whatever you want to do, fucking do it. But you know, is that what you want to now become? And it's an interesting question to to entertain because it's just like I don't want anything other than to just be me and do what I feel like. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. 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 I, I I don't really know, and that's probably my struggle. So I'll do these things where I'll just take breaks. Yeah. You know, I just like won't make videos for a couple of weeks and focus on other things in my life and. And then when something interesting comes back in and I start talking about it again and then, you know, I got uh, additional growth and people like it. And I make and I go through a stride of I'll make, you know, 10 videos or something like that. And I'm like, oh, OK. And what's nice is for some reason, my channel's at the at the point where I can do that. I can have like I took the hmm. summer off, essentially. And then I just started making tons of videos again. And I got right back. Actually, I had my highest month. Congratulations. Last month, and that was after taking the summer. Uh, that's off, very so. cool. That's um... so. Uh, you know, I would love to take a break at some point, not permanently and not a long one, but I'd love to figure out how to do that. But I guess, you know, uh, I guess you're stuck as the, um, you know, arcade one up guy for a little while. And I'm, I'm stuck as the weekly podcast guy for a little while. And I think we're both totally okay with that. So, yeah. Yeah. I I don't hate the topic for any, and it's really cool because, you know, you, you know, you, you got your thing and you get to explore a lot of different topics and I love watching your content. So that's great. You know, I learned a lot as just a content creator as well from it. And then, you know, we'll probably always venture out and play with things. I've been thinking about like, it's actually funny. I got the analog pocket. I, I, you know, I got it super early, could have made a video on it. I didn't because there was, 
Well, I mean, there wasn't really much more to say. It was like there was also some great content creators out there that covered it really well. And I think I talked about it and it was like, oh, and I, I, I did this interesting thing, I think, on one of my podcasts where I was like, if you guys are interested, these are the five videos that I watched that I learned so much from. And I was like, mm. go watch, you know, uh, my life in gaming's video, you know, and this person's video, this person, this one was great. And I, I wouldn't, wasn't really like saying what they talked about. I was just kind of like, this is how they covered it. You got to watch it. And that was actually fun to do, to be like, just promote yeah. other oh, YouTubers. Yeah. One of my favorite parts of doing this stuff too. And it's like, uh, yeah. You know, I one of the biggest things I got wrong when I started is I thought that like if my life in gaming released a video on the pocket today and I re- released mine tomorrow mm-hmm. that they would take views away from me and that is absolutely not true it is right. the opposite it's the promotion gets it in the algorithm people want multiple takes on the same thing and true. I, I think mm-hmm. uh, the you know I, I think when you have a big launch like the pocket there are just I mean I'm sorry to be negative but the bottom feeders come out you know the shills come out and you you really get to see who has a voice worth listening to and uh I, I, for right. me the one that blew me away like my life in gaming put out a spectacular video no shock there you know john lineman put mm-hmm. out a spectacular yep. video no shock there tito's video is like a week late and i'm like well i mean i love macho nacho videos these are cool but i wonder what he could add mm-hmm. that yeah, everybody else didn't cover and by the end of that video i was like well, if anybody had any question why Tito's channel is taken off, they don't anymore because this is why he he has earned the right to be here. He did his own thing so good. the way he does it without yep. copying anybody, without trying to be like anybody. And even though I had watched those other two very long and very in-depth videos, he added perspective that I would have never thought of if I didn't listen to his mm-hmm. perspective on it. So it's, you know, and it was very easy to have his videos stand out amongst all of the other very good and not not so good videos out there and it's just so if you you know that was i said that both to you know throw a shout out to tito but also to tell you like if you wanted to do a video on the pocket and you felt like you had something to add do it because you might end up in a situation like that where you didn't even realize it but you had a take on it that added a perspective that nobody else had yeah i really enjoyed uh game shacks really funny it was, I think it was Game Shack. It was the one where he was actually like during, like he's talking about the analog pocket and he literally starts eating the pieces that uh, come with it. Like, no. Did you see that? It was so funny. And then he was like, even makes fun of my life in gaming. And it shows the scene of like him going to my life in gaming and unsubscribing. And it shows their count go down. <laughs> like it was just in the background as the B roll. But then he like resubscribes to them like this. I should give that a later. chance then. Cause it's I don't like, normally, you know, once again, I'm not throwing shade. I'm not starting trouble, but I just, I'm not, mm-hmm. that's not my favorite channel to watch. Uh, but his, sure. his video on cleaning cartridges, I think I laughed the entire time when it, my favorite part when he was like, <laughs> well, uh, we want to be careful with this. Uh, and I heard people use sandpaper. So we want to use the lowest grit sandpaper possible. So we can have the least <laughs> amount of grains on it. Like uh, that, that one, I was in tears the whole time. That was, that was absolutely wonderful. So maybe I'll give the pocket video yeah, a shot. I don't watch him. Yeah. I haven't, I don't typically like watch everything he does, but the algorithm kind of bubbled him up to the top and I gave it a chance. And then I was just like, he doesn't even in the one where he's like, he's like eating the little, you know, the things that you're not supposed to eat what are, what are the little packets. It shows him like go not supposed to. Eat. He's not even talking about it. It's like in the background. It's like the B roll, and it, and he's like choking. 
And then all of a sudden it shows them holding the pocket and describing it. It's just kind of that this is pretty cool. Thing. I like that. Oh all right, God, I'll give that video there. a shot then. That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, but maybe that's a good example of how content creators can be creative in yeah. different ways, you know, and kind of do their own spin. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to think about that. Like, like, yeah, I cover Arcade One Up a lot, but what is it the thing that I do when I cover it? And if I want to cover, like, I've been thinking about covering hmm. handhelds more. Like, I I collect them. I enjoy doing them and there's a space for that on youtube could i be yet another person that's like i'm gonna tell you about the specs on this one or, or whatever and i figure well you know in the next year or two i'm probably gonna buy 10 of so them anyway but i just don't like i could but then it's like the work of like well, okay lighting like i tried oh, yesterday yeah, that's getting the lighting the right on the handhelds are insane and so like do i just go okay the lighting's good enough i'm just gonna put out a five minute video or whatever i don't know we'll see if I can come up with, I'm going to do a test run to just like see if I can enjoy the edit process or whatever. And if I, if I enjoy it, I'll put it out there. But I mean, we'll, we'll I, 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 you're never going to hear me say no. I, I would say absolutely do it. The only thing you'll ever <laughs> hear me say no is if you're like, do you think I'd get more views if I turned into a drama channel? I'd be like, oh, fuck right off. Yes, you would. <laughs> and you'd lose all of the subscribers that matter. It's the only no you'll ever hear from me. But absolutely, you know, yeah. do the throw up some, uh, you know, some handheld stuff and and just see what happens and you know if you like doing it and it doesn't get any views who really cares right it's not like you're worried about paying right. your mortgage for how many youtube subscribers you have so just That's do right. what makes you happy and you know if if it's if you're really into it people will like it so yeah yeah, I think that's the the important part. I've heard that from multiple people. It's like give the people what you want, the thing that you're yeah. passionate about. Cuz the thing that you're passionate about is it's actually when people start to follow you and like like your content, it's because they like your take on it and the way you express it. And it's probably coming from a place of emotion or mm. passion. You know, and I get that from you, like when I watch your content, of course, you know, like, you know, you're very passionate about the things that you're talking about. And then it reflects well on the content that you create. Like obviously you have your videos that take you less time to create, and then you have your videos that you put a lot more time and investment into. And I know, I know you would love to do those daily, <laughs> you yeah. know, like if you well, could, no, no chance, but it's hell. just like, there's yeah. not enough time in a day. Right. But that's when I think you get to shine and you, know, you do your bigger, longer videos that, that obviously put a lot of work into it and it's inspirational and uh, you can thank see your you. passion. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to keep Great. doing, doing what I like until I can't anymore. And then I'll move on to the next, but, uh, you know, it's at least I could say I had a lot of fun doing it if ever it does have to end. So. Yeah. Well, this was awesome. Um, you know, th this is exactly what I was hoping for. Just two friends catching up. Hopefully other people will find it interesting. But like I was saying, if they don't, it's still you and me how we would talk anyway. So if people don't like it, it's right. totally cool. It's not like we put on some kind of act to try to get views. This is just the shit that we no. talk when, when the camera's off. So That's right. although I swear a lot more right. when the camera's off now these days. But, uh, you know, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, is all my right? friends have told me that too. Because like on camera, I try to like, you know when i swear i try to make it count or make it be funny but like there's there's a whole lot of yeah. fucks stuck in here now that i can't get out so like you know i could uh <laughs> it tends to spill out and some of my friends think it's funnier than others but whatever <laughs> so yeah it's all right well well thank you so much for doing this bob i really appreciate it hell yeah it we're definitely doing this on. again I, I once again i have no idea why it took this long i think it's just because we you know we we end we're especially when we were working on bigger projects we were talking on such a regular basis it didn't feel like oh when's that podcast because we're talking all the time but i'll make a better effort for that now so right cool
All right. Well, um, obviously I will post links to, um, uh, your YouTube channel, your social media and complaints at arcade one up.com for anybody interested. And, uh, you know, find all that in the description.